lights marker. Aha, ahi, aho, aha, action. That was very good. <laughs> I, I, I could have done it a little bit better. No, that was good. It was good. Hey, everybody, welcome to the group film season one finale. We are so excited that we got to this point. Can, I, can we give ourselves a little round of applause, guys? Let's just start by doing that. Wait, maybe we should do that at the end of this one. Well, we can do it again. Okay. <laughs> but this is, this is awesome. The fact that we got here. Ten episodes in now, and uh, we've picked, like we said we were going to do, an absolute banger of a movie. One of the best films that we all love for our finale. How mm-hmm. do you guys feel about this? The um, Dark Knight. So thrilled. I'm pumped. I'm pumped to talk. Well, congrats to, to you know, all of us here for yeah. making it, you know, thank you, thank you. episode ten. So that's, <clears throat> that's reason to be proud. But this movie is a personal favorite and i think for all of us oh yeah i am so excited to talk about it this is one of the greatest films that's come out in the 21st century without a doubt yeah i have uh i have thoughts (laughs) (laughs) that is not a great way to start andy i don't like the tone would you like to say that over again i'll give you another chance i i love this movie it's not my favorite of the nolan batman movies Oh my God! That's not that. I'm not, I'm that's not saying not that it's. Much. I'm not saying it's not the best. That, it is the best. That's objectively okay. Not your favorite. Okay. Okay. Not yeah, my yeah. favorite. And yeah, that's still. Gotcha. Yeah. That's not even that hot of a take. Because I've, I've heard that before yeah, too. So it's you, okay. You know I've heard it. Yeah. And I want an explanation still. That's true. Anyway, no, I, know. I know. All right, guys. So glad that you could join us. Let's get into it right away. Uh, warning: This might be a longer pod than normal because we're going to have a lot of thoughts and takes on this, as we are all comic book and superhero lovers. And Batman is, I think, our favorite. For most of us, if not, he's in the top three or four uh, superhero characters, and we just really love this movie. We want to talk uh, as much as we can about it since we're doing this one time and one time only. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Uh, let's start with story time with Andy. Andy, what do you got for us? Okay, so we've often covered movie what-ifs in this segment, and today I have a, another pretty wild one for you. So a franchise we've yet to cover on this pod, but eventually will, or we eventually hope to, is the Star Trek trilogy trilogy by J.J. Abrams. Yeah. And of course, the lead of those movies is Captain Kirk, played by Chris Pine. And he's fantastic in that role. Yep. Can you guys picture anyone else playing that role? Uh, now that he's done it three times, no. But I'm sure that there's other people that could do it. Yeah, I'm... I don't. I don't uh, think Chris Pine's the only one who could do it. Right. But he did do. He did do great. Okay. Well, what would you have said to Timothy Oliphant? No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably most famous for his role in the TV series Justified, playing Captain Kirk. I can't. I see don't it. want it. That nope. one I don't see. Pass. Okay. It almost happened as he did audition for J.J. Abrams. Initially, he was going for the role of Dr. McCoy, a.k.a. Bones. He would have done well I could that. see that. Yeah. Yeah. But J.J. had already decided on Carl Urban for the role. Mm, what he didn't have was his lead yet, Captain Kirk. So Timothy auditioned, but was deemed too old for the role, and yeah. so he did not yeah. get the part, which right. I think we're all grateful for having yeah. Chris Pine play that role. However, that might not even be his biggest what-if. Do you know what role he was up for that would have changed the last 20 years of Hollywood history? I'll give you a hint. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Dom Toretto? Yes. Timothy (laughs) Oliphant was up for the role of none other than Dominic Toretto. Wow. Timothy turned down the part because he didn't think he was right for it. Spoiler alert, he wasn't. (laughs) And the world has since been blessed with a total of 11 Fast and Furious movies and who knows how many more to come. Yeah, I guarantee you he does not keep making them. 
Uh, he pretty yeah. much admitted that in the interview that it probably is not a franchise or a trilogy or whatever if no. he's in it. So even though I'm confident the franchise would not be as successful as it is or it has been with Diesel, I can't help but wonder what it might have done for Timothy Oliphant's career because he's a good actor. But you look at his IMDb and it's kind of light. So mm-hmm. I wonder if he would have benefited. Would he have become a franchise guy at that point? Mm. So the only thing crazier than imagining him in either role captain kirk or dom is the fact that he hasn't watched any of the fast and furious movies wow. i find that amazing <laughs> so as dom would say to brian in fast one timothy can say to both franchises you almost had me <laughs> i like that that was good <laughs> thanks man that's Thank so you. crazy and i really do like oliphant too i do agree he's a good actor he's yeah. he's better than vin diesel oh absolutely but in the role of dominic toretto i, I don't know i can't really I mean, maybe he could pull it off, but again, the idea now that that's not even a franchise if he's in it, because he's not doing 11 films. Right. Um, he's stopping at three, max, mm-hmm. and then it's over. So. He's not doing three. You look, I, honestly, I looked at his TV. he doesn't even do that many movies, to be honest. A lot of it's like TV work, yeah, and so. it's the one-offs and stuff like that, and I'm like, wow, this is a pretty good actor. I'm, I was really surprised going through it, his, his history. I'm happy that it didn't happen because it gave Vin Diesel, you know, something to do career-wise because otherwise he doesn't do anything oh he needed something to do. it's not like you're inversing their careers it's not like vin diesel goes on to have timothy uh, oliphant's career not a, no chance no but vin diesel was a movie actor i mean he was not gonna be a tv guy i don't think and he's he, done like three movies that weren't fast and furious now well because he knows where his bread and butter is i mean yeah. and this is a something that you know basically he yeah. built yeah and mm-hmm. he's passionate about so i yeah. respect him for that just yeah. kind of like how tom cruise now does mission impossible movies every other year because that's what he likes to do yeah exactly so yeah. what i'm saying is it this had to be vin's thing it had to be vin where it is right now yeah had to be yeah exactly. yeah and, and i'm glad that we have been I, I love those movies <laughs> we'll talk about them soon okay let's do the no cap recap for those of you who have not watched this amazing film well, i'm sorry we're going to spoil it for you right now so this might be a good time to stop the podcast go watch the movie then come back let's start with brian Our movie begins roughly nine months after the conclusion of Batman Begins, with an epic bank robbery in progress orchestrated by the Joker, whom none of the henchmen committing the crime have ever actually met. The Joker, who was present at the heist, has concocted an elaborate plan to steal money from the mob in Gotham, and the robbery is a success. Meanwhile, Batman, Jim Gordon, and the Gotham District Attorney Harvey Dent team up to put an end on organized crime. Bruce Wayne publicly supports Harvey Dent and works as Batman in the shadows to help put an end to the mob in Gotham. The Joker offers the mob the chance to hire him to kill Batman in exchange for half of their collective fortunes. And they eventually agree, although reluctantly, when Harvey Dent gathers enough evidence to arrest them. The Joker then begins to execute high-profile figures in Gotham's political and judicial hierarchy with the aim of getting Batman to publicly reveal his identity. Then Harvey pretends to be Batman with the hope of setting up a trap to capture the Joker, and it's a success. Gordon is promoted to commissioner, and the Joker is imprisoned. However, it is soon revealed that this was actually the Joker's plan. He has Harvey and Rachel kidnapped and forces Batman to choose which one to save, knowing he can save them both. And while he intends to save Rachel, he unknowingly saves Harvey instead. Distraught at Rachel's death, Harvey seeks revenge on all those he deems responsible for the failure to protect her and becomes a villain, known in comic book lore as Two-Face. 
As he begins seeking revenge, the Joker has simultaneously set in motion another plan to destroy Gotham's psyche and cause mass casualties by forcing passengers of two ferries to kill each other or risk being blown up. Two ferries? The passengers foil the Joker's plan by refusing to cooperate and kill each other, and Batman is able to capture the Joker. Unfortunately, the Joker had one more plan in motion, which was having unleashed Two-Face on a revenge spree, and he had taken Jim Gordon's family hostage with the intent of making Jim choose which one of his children lived and which one died. Thankfully, Batman is able to intervene and save Gordon's family, but Harvey is killed in the encounter. Believing the truth of his corruption will undo all the progress the city has made, Batman takes the blame for Harvey's death and all the murders he committed. Thus, Batman becomes the enemy and is pursued by the Gotham Police Department. Harvey Dent was the White Knight that Gotham wanted, and Batman becomes the Dark Knight that it needs. Ooh. Really good writing on that one, Andy. Ooh. Good Thank job. You. Nicely done. Well, that spoiled everything for you. I really hope that you had paused the podcast, went and saw the movie, and then came back. Really, they should have seen this movie already. It's 15 yeah. years old. There's a very good chance. 15 years. Everyone listening to us has seen this. Wow. Yeah. There's a good, good chance. But in all honesty, you can know what happens and still watch this and enjoy it. Yes. That's how good it is. It really is. Okay, so that segues right into our next segment, the group discussion. Guys, why do we love or not love, in the case of maybe Andy only, this movie? <laughs> Did we hear first from andy you better still love this i hope you're joking i did not say i didn't love it i said it's the best i just said it's not my favorite it's just of the favorite. nolan trilogy yeah. that just speaks to how good all those nolan movies are so i love this movie because it's fantastic and inspiring and dark but also because it legitimized superhero movies mm-hmm. so batman begins began the process but this movie cemented it superheroes don't have to be campy and corny they can be grounded relatively speaking and appeal to a mass audience and they can even win major awards yep. so they became serious movies to some degree thanks to this movie yeah i agree yeah b what about you why do you love this movie can't wait to hear what you have to say um i it's should, too much it's should, too yeah. much isn't it i need to warn you because this is <laughs> are you gonna be gushing he, i am I <laughs> he's am gonna, gonna gush, gush for the next 10 gush. minutes yeah exactly Go. oh my god all right no um honestly uh I, I i'm not even exaggerating when i say that i've seen this movie about 20 times now i think about 20 times and when i rewatched it two days ago in preparation for this podcast uh i still got chills at the end still knowing full i i almost have entire segments of this thing uh memorized because of how many times i've seen it Mm -hmm. and yet it still has like the same effect that it did when i watched it the very first time that's a sign of an excellent movie yeah it's just there's there's so much and we'll we'll get into it later when we talk about technical aspects but uh not only just how well it was shot and filmed and everything else that goes into it into the uh you know the filmmaking process but the story itself is like andy said it it legitimized uh, an entire genre you know and it's been difficult to recapture that down the line Mm -hmm. but um but still, it, it was, in that case, revolutionary for its time, uh, having this grounded uh, superhero adaptation that people could kind of relate to. It's like, yeah, this seems, this seems feasible, yeah. almost, you know? It's real. Yeah. Um, man. It's, and then the story itself. The, it, how do I say this? The Gosh, story man. is... Just go ahead. <laughs> I see it. 
You want to. You see it bubbling? Yes. Oh it's all god. over your skin. Just go for it. Oh my god. No, the uh, the story itself is is very, very good, right? Screenplay, tight, 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 tight. And it's elevated by the work of the actors. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what sets it from great to masterpiece is the fact that they took something that was that was very good, very good fundamentally, but the actors and everyone else involved um, just pushed it past. Speaking that line. speaking to that real quick because I will forget this if I don't ask you now. Do you think that when the actors were reading through this script that they knew that this was going to be what it was? Not as far as box office numbers or anything, but they were looking at this and saying this is going to be more than just a comic book film. I think so. They knew this was going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Because you can you can see how this movie, even if you were to remove the superhero element of it, mm-hmm. is a very tragic story. And I think that that's something that um, I mean, it is it is relatable. But the but the theme of the movie and and this duality of man that you see present from start to finish, and how you know you have. Um, these different characters, some of them could be considered even forces of nature mm-hmm. and the effect that they have on the people around them. All of that, I feel, makes for compelling storytelling, mm-hmm. even without the fact that it's freaking Batman. Yeah, it's true. Batman's a force of nature. The Joker obviously is a force of nature. Yeah. It's almost like two uh, hurricanes, you know, coming at each other. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that later. Exactly. Okay, uh, great. Uh, I'm just going to. To simplify mine down and say this was the sequel to, at that time, my favorite superhero movie. I saw Batman Begins and was blown away. said, thank goodness they course-corrected this franchise after Batman and Robin. Um, so I was super happy, excited to see The Dark Knight. Blown away that this movie was not only as good, it surpassed Batman mm-hmm. Begins. Mm-hmm. Didn't think that was possible. or I, The likelihood was slim for me. I just, it's like, ah, oh, they might mess it up now. But no, they... they did an incredible job. It's a very well-made film, well-acted, engaging story. It's exciting. It's tense. It's emotional. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Uh, it's got a message behind it uh, that's pretty clear to see. And it transcended, like Andy was saying, being a comic book superhero movie. Mm-hmm. It's that, that's what makes it special, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we saw it the first time, and now we've seen it for the 20th time, or in my case, maybe maybe I'm right behind you. I'm like 17, 18 times. But uh, what was your reaction after seeing it the first time versus now? And you talked a little bit about that. but You know, I actually remember the very first time that I saw the teaser trailer for it. You yeah, know, when you have, I remember that one. You've, you've got the, uh, the, the Batman emblem, yeah. you know, coming out of that, that smoke, that water. Mm-hmm. And uh, and all you hear is the voices, yeah, of and you, Bruce and Alfred, yeah. yeah. And then you hear uh, uh, the Joker's voice, yeah, with that last piece of the Batman symbol breaking, and it yeah. flips, and it's a Joker card, mm-hmm. yeah. And you hear the Joker's laugh. That was I don't remember that at all. I remember. We'll I, show it to you later. I remember seeing that in the theater. I forgot what movie I went to go see because I remember that more. <laughs> and then I also remember seeing in the theater the the first trailer that actually showed. Heath Ledger as the Joker. Yes. And I remember it too because it, it fades in with him looking up at the camera after his interrogation scene. Good evening, commissioner. And, and, then, and, bang, and then it just shows him. And then when it shows him, I remember the entire theater like audibly gasped. Yeah. Because they were just, 
And I think this was around the time when people knew it was Heath Ledger, and、mm-hmm. they weren't really taking his casting too seriously. Yes,、yeah, they like, did not like it. And、Why? I think some promotional pics had already shown up, but I guess just seeing him moving now, yeah, was different. Yeah, because it was it was a legitimate shock. You could feel it; it was palpable in the theater. So many people were just like, "What the heck?" And yeah, you. You can barely even tell that it's him, yeah, because he just transformed into this character. So that's something else to talk about later. I know,、yeah. but anyway, there's something to to unpack later with that casting choice.、Mm-hmm. Regardless, when I walked out of the theater the very first time,、uh, I couldn't stop thinking about this movie. I I could not. It was just so impactful. How quickly before you started, or, or you went to go see it again? Uh. Was、you、it know, like it, was it a same night thing? Was it the next day, next week? No, two thousand two thousand eight. Let's see, how old was I? I wasn't that. You were six. You were going to be sixteen. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't really have too many resources to go to the movies over、yeah. and over again. So,、uh, but as soon as, because it was not soon after that when I got a.、Um, you remember iPod Touch? Yeah.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I got my dad bought me one of those for Black Friday and.、Uh, I think the only movie I had on there was The Dark Knight,、mm. because I because we had bought the movie, you know,、yeah. on Blu-ray, and so you get the digital code. Yeah, and so that's probably a reason why I watched it so many times. Boom! Wow, that's not doing it justice, by the way. Don't watch it on an iPod. <laughs> yeah. Before I get to you, Andy, I remember、uh, just to talk, talk about this. I saw it. I was like, "Wow, that was great." It was a lot to un- to absorb at the time. I felt like there were just so many elements that. You don't catch the first time,、mm-hmm. to be honest, and especially、mm-hmm. at a younger age, you don't. It's now that you've watched it for the you know seventeenth、yeah. time that you you actually、uh, get these things. But I ended up seeing it again very soon after, not because I really wanted to, but because、uh, a couple of older、uh, people wanted to. My dad being one of them. I think it was dad, and it was Larry Floyd, and it was somebody else who was visiting from out of town. And they were just at home. They're like, "Do you guys want to go to the movies?" He's like, "Sure, let's go see the Dark Knight."、Uh-huh. And I'm like, "Okay, I'll see it again, sure." <laughs> and when I saw it the second time, I loved it even more. And it's one of those movies that every time you watch it, including this last time, I feel like it gets better every time. I think so. It, it, I really, I it, don't get tired of it. It has aged really well. Yes, a lot of things have aged really well. Yeah. And the, for me, the the story and the、um, the、uh, complexity of the movie is what. Most attracts me、mm-hmm. more than anything,、mm-hmm. more than even Ledger's performance.、Mm-hmm. It's just like what the movie's dealing with, which is you know, to what lengths will you go to combat terrorism? What、uh, are you willing to break as far as your own code and your own rules, your and, own morality, and you know, society and what they expect of you? Yeah.、Uh, but we can talk at length about that later. But that's yeah, that's、uh, it's just better every time. I love it. Isn't it like two and a half hours long? Yeah, something like that. It's just under two and a half hours long. It just flies by for me. It's、okay. short. It feels shorter. Okay, it felt so short. I can tell you, this is probably the fourth time I've seen this movie. I've not seen it nearly as many times as you guys. So the first time I loved it, but it's not a simple movie. It's a complex story, complex、yeah. characters, and it felt long to me the first time.、Um, I didn't love the whole mob aspect of it because I felt like it was taking away from seeing Batman versus Joker.、Mm. Now with age and with、uh, rewatches, you. I really appreciate the mob story more than、it's, the Joker part. To yeah, be honest, it's, it's super important because <laughs> that's what they're trying to stop. Yeah, that's the whole point of the movie.、Yeah. It's starting, and that's how Joker even gets involved. But so I knew I'd have to watch it many more times to appreciate it.、Uh, this past rewatch, just like you guys, I think I appreciate it more than ever now.、Um, I love it. I actually understand the story. I understand the characters, and you know, so it definitely made a lot more sense to me than when I saw it when I was twenty. Yeah. You were twenty when it came out. I was twenty. Yeah, yeah, 20, that、wow. week. 
Wow. Oh, wow. All right. So do you guys agree with the critics' audience scores? B, you got those numbers? I sure do. So on uh, the Rotten Tomato score is at a 94%. So 94% of critics say definitely worth your time. Mm. Uh, it's a 94% audience score as well. Wow, 94, 94? 94, 94. Mm. Yep, that's crazy. And the audience score is like over 250,000 reviews. Wow. It's, it's a ton. And the uh, Metacritic score is an 84, sitting at an 84. 84, that's that's a little bit low, but, you know, whatever. Well, um, meta, the Metascore is is historically harsher, I would say, yeah. in rating movies. I think it's better than an 84, for sure. So, I disagree with both of the Rotten Tomato scores, audience score. I had also looked those up. They're both too low. They should both be higher. 94 is too low? Yes. There Where was, would you put it at? There, this is unequivocally the best superhero movie ever ever made. I don't think anybody bothers to debate that. I there are other superhero movies that are ranked higher on Rotten Tomatoes, which is just silly. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. What, what's higher? Yeah. Iron Man, what's... I, I think we did this when we did uh, Civil War, the Civil War podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where, like, uh, I think Black Panther is like 97 or oh, 96%. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I no. think Iron Man is 93 or 94. And it's like, Dark Knight is demonstrably better than all of those movies. Hmm. And so it should be higher than a 94% to me. I remember when a movie came out, it was at 98%. I guess just over time as reviews Would you put it at a 98 now? Yeah. Yeah. I I think it... it, For sure, 94% is too low. 98's a good number. And so, you know, apologies to Infinity War and Endgame, which I love. Those uh, are dear in my heart. Yeah. Uh, This movie's better than both of those. And the people who don't adore this movie simply do not like superhero movies, and therefore their opinion shouldn't count. Ooh. (laughs) Strong take. I like it. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go into. <laughs> let's oh, let's Andy, go into. Andy just impugned like an entire uh, demographic we're, of movie reviewers. We're gonna lose yeah, like sixty percent of our audience. <laughs> hey, 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 Martin Scorsese hates superhero movies. So why the heck do I care what he thinks about this movie? Yeah, he he flat out hates superhero movies. Why is he? Why would he review this movie? So therefore, every reviewer who's like, I goes into it with an attitude of, I think superhero movies are dumb. I think he's why ang- are they I reviewing it? I think he's angry at the oversaturation of superhero movies. It's just that he's not seeing as many, in like you know, unique original ideas coming in and and those movies doing well. And it's just like everything that's doing great is a superhero or a comic book movie. And I think that's what angers him. And he's just like, why is it that everybody wants these like cheap thrill rides and nobody wants mm. anything of, of depth? No, his- that's, that's an old man who wants more <laughs> gangster movies. And it's like, enough already. Like, I can, be, I can get anybody who says it's oversaturated with too many superhero movies. You know what? They're probably right. Yeah. But there are good, serious actors who have lended their talents to superhero projects and he still gives no credit he thinks that the stories just aren't worthwhile at all so he sees no value in them uh and lots of them have like really really good messages and storylines and actors and directors and musical scores and he gives no value to any of it and i i don't respect that Mm. you know that's pretty interesting because just in in terms of reviews in general critics audience alike but whenever you as a viewer are trying to decide whether you're going to watch a movie i wonder you know how much does that skew your opinion maybe you have a reviewer like that's a favorite of yours and your views align a lot of the times but andy's right if they have a bias going in 
it's tough to appreciate a movie for all it is. Yeah. And, and especially in The Dark Knight, you know, it's it's more than just a superhero comic book story. There's some very deep themes going on. And, uh, you know, Nolan did a great job as a filmmaker. So even like, even you can even watch it just to appreciate the technique mm-hmm. yep. of the movie itself. Yeah. And... You know, imagine someone going in with like, ah, well, you know, it's it's superheroes, so it's trash already. Right. So, I don't know. That's and that's it, unfortunate. It, and I think that's changed thanks to what he's done here. I don't think everybody's going to feel that way anymore. You think? Like, oh, the superhero movies can't have any value. I think that if they were to look at certain aspects, then they can be like, oh, okay, that that's really good. Yeah. You know, maybe I can take that and implement it in other films. So I think that was true at the time where people was like, oh, all of a sudden, like, oh, well, superhero movies, you know, they're, they're not all bad. And I think we've gone the other way again mm-hmm. because there's just been so many and a lot of them aren't that great. Uh, but they make money. They print money. So they're yeah. going to keep making them. Yeah, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about uh, best thing I've ever seen. Our favorite scenes from the movie. Not talking about our favorite our favorite scenes and then we'll pick one each of us okay this so is too uh, difficult <laughs> this is it, it was really hard this is way really too hard diff- just for, so for favorite scene for yeah for, for me it was easy favorite really? scene? easy slam dunk yeah. i've always felt from the moment i saw it i said this is it all right hold off on it uh but you want to start andy give us your favorite scenes in the movie so the the great scenes or favorite because favorites later uh, no oh, great, 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 I, favorite, great scenes. favorite scenes i mean great scenes Okay, so I, I have a bunch, and I'm sure we're going to overlap, but I'll, I'll go through them quickly. Sure. Um, opening bank robbery. Yep, mm-hmm. I got that. Joker introduces himself to the mob. Yep. Mm-hmm. The fundraiser where the Joker shows up. Got that. Yep. And this is one you guys probably don't have, but I, I'll tell you why I appreciate it. When Ramirez and Stevens tell Barbara that Jim was killed in the line of duty, um, it makes me really sad how they, they don't even say it. They don't say any words other than just, we're sorry. She knows. Mm-hmm. When they show up... Mm, and it just makes yeah. you think, man, like, she's a how, cop's wife. How awful must it be to be the family of a cop and yeah. just always dreading that one that, day that two cops are going to show up to your house? Yeah. And, and you're going to know immediately. She just breaks down because she knows what's happened, even Great though they never say it. And I just, I think Great that's performance. a really, really good scene. She, like, even like, tilts her head a little. She's like, no. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. just so good. Um, when Batman drops Maroney with the intent of the fall not killing him. <laughs> I'm counting was, on it. That was funny. <laughs> I, I like that. that was, was I like that. Um, so, the street chase when Joker's captured. Mm-hmm. And, and spoiler alert, Gordon yeah. is revealed to be alive. Yeah. So, this is the only scene in that movie when I watched it where people audibly clapped and cheered when the Gordon reveal. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it was just such a big deal and mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah. We thought he was dead. Yeah. Um, I also found it interesting that there was no music at all during the scene. When I was rewatching, I did not catch any music in it. And I just thought it's all sound effects and what little dialogue there was. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting choice. I had never picked up on that before. That's true. Because it's an action scene. You, you would uh-huh. think, get some music in the background, but they don't do that. Yeah, no, none. So the mm-hmm. fairy scene, uh, and then the homage to the Joker's death scene from Batman 1989. When mm-hmm. he's falling, I, I this that. one, Batman catches him. You know, so he doesn't die. There, there were so many towards the end. I just put the last twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking. like, I'm not writing all of these down, but all of these are amazing. I, yeah. I just named probably like ten, and I could have thought of more. I this mean, okay. entire movie is just a string of great scenes. Yeah, I honestly, yeah, I have a ton. A lot of what you mentioned, Andy, I have written down also. Yeah, the opening sequence, in case you didn't know, inspired by an older movie called The Killing. 
Mm. I definitely recommend watching that. Saw it. Very, very. Oh, yeah, you did. You let me borrow it, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It It was very good. And And the clown masks. Crazy. Exactly, right? Yeah. Yeah, so fantastic. I do like the parking garage sequence um, at the beginning with Scarecrow's appearance Mm -hmm. and then him landing on that van. Yeah. I wonder what the insurance claim on that would look like. <laughs> I have a what question happened about, here? I have a question about that. I'm sorry if we're stepping on vexing issues right now, but um, how is it that Batman landing on that car just completely dented it, you know, and Smashed. caused the car, or the van to stop, I guess? Because it's like Scarecrow's driving, and he just okay. stops driving. Yeah. As soon as he lands, it's like Scarecrow's like, eh! Or just okay, so, <laughs> yeah. so the dent is easy to explain. Batman is 200 plus pounds... Yeah. And he's falling Plus armor. from several floors up. So it's like a uh, you know, massive object landing on your car. Dented roof. Do yeah. you think his feet hurt? You know... He's wearing boots, you but, how, but how thick are those boots, man? Because now they're going through like... He falls off a skyscraper in this yeah, building. That's the, yeah, that's the one of the really uh, moments where I'm like, I don't think they thought that through. And they should have yeah. changed the way that they land when he's saving Rachel. Yeah, but he, he slows down legal. enough. I think he slows down enough there to where it's like the landing's not so bad. Yeah, but considering yeah. that he can kind of glide with his cape when he has a batarang where he can kind of grab something. The fact that he just lands and they just like walk away... I thought they could have unscathed. Probably written that a little bit better. But as to why the scarecrow's truck driving, I thought the same thing too when watching it. It's like he could have kept driving unless yeah. the impact, you know, just injured knocked him, him out or something. Knocked I him out. I think he stopped to like pay his parking ticket. <laughs> he and got him a knock him out. He had to wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. And the he, ticket wasn't scanning right yeah. now. Yeah. And in that moment is when he landed. Yeah. Anyways, I really like that. Um, yes, we mentioned when he meets the mob and the pencil scene. Mm-hmm. I really like how the Hong Kong yeah. scene looks. That's one that Andy didn't mention. I had that on there too. I love it. Joker's home video that he does with fake Batman mm. is unnerving yes. and makes you uncomfortable. Makes me uncomfortable because the guy's name is Brian. Yeah. Ooh. I have and a note about that later. That was directed by Heath Ledger. Yeah. Would you stop stepping <laughs> on my stuff, man? I just said we'll talk about that later. The, I, didn't, uh, I didn't know if you were going to talk about Brian. The oh my parade, gosh. The, the parade for uh, Commissioner Lowe's funeral, I Ooh, really liked. I didn't have that. That's good, too. Um, of course, the car chase. Joker's interrogation scene. Loved yes. it. And everything that happens after that leading to his escape. The hospital scene and the birth of Davis. I got space. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And then, the uh, yeah, like you said, the last 20 minutes. Yeah. The, the Pruitt building raid. The fairy dilemma. The final showdown. It, it's... This is why it's hard for me to pick a it's, favorite. It's literally the entire movie. Honestly, it's it just really is. like you said, a string of the best scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two here. I don't know if you mentioned them, but uh, I had the race to Rachel to save uh, Rachel and uh, Harvey. Did mm-hmm. you mention that? Well, kind of. kind of. Joker's escape is kind of including that. And then I have another one, which is Alfred's consolation to Bruce. That's a afterwards. great. That's a great. Scene. I like the way that is shot. The the, the lighting, the mm-hmm. colors that they use, mm-hmm. and everything. It's it's really sad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Um, I think that moment is probably uh, Christian Bale's best moment in the movie, as far as acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really sad, and you can tell his voice is kind of cracking a little bit. He's distraught. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'll talk. What he says at the end, we'll come to later. Okay. But anyway, you need to stop doing that. By the way, all right. You need to stop saying that you're gonna say something and yeah. then not say it. Yeah, I will later. I'll try to remember all this. I promise. <laughs> okay. Favorite scene. Pick one. You got to pick one. Pick Go one for it. Oh, this is easy for me. Like I said, it's the same thing. When Batman can't break the Joker and he and Gordon attempt to save Harvey and Rachel. 
Mm-hmm. Like the fact that, you know, that line, like even with all your strength and, you know, you have no leverage. Yeah, you have you, nothing, nothing to threaten me You have with. nothing yeah. to threaten Like pain doesn't bother him. And honestly, it feels like Batman's almost pulling his punches because there should have been some blood. Like he was mad. Like he's throwing mm-hmm. me into windows and... Like he was ready that to was almost intense, kill him, dude. Mm-hmm. And yeah, did you guys just... get excited when the first time when you saw Batman grab the chair to like <laughs> so like oh, Gordon yeah. could get in? Yeah. I was just like, oh, it's What's about to go down. Yeah. <laughs> but even I, I feel like they uh, they didn't. I feel like they missed an opportunity not to. I don't want to promote violence. I say it should have been more violent, but. You would think that Batman broke his hand when he smashes it on the table, you know, full force, and punch he, to his hand. And, and Joker, Joker doesn't even flinch. Doesn't even flinch. I'm like, I, I can get somebody having a, like a high pain tolerance, and he probably does. But still, I swear, Batman has to have broken his hand there with that punch, the way he did it. Unless he was pulling his punches. Well, that, that plays into the joke. The uh, the fact that he says, never start with the head. It makes the victim all fuzzy. He can't feel the next, and then he punches him in the hand, and he's like, see... Because he didn't feel it. So, okay. So one of the things, uh, not to step on Joker too quickly, but they don't give you a lot of backstory. But based on that scene and what we saw as far as the pain tolerance, in my mind I was thinking, I think that this guy was abused as a kid. And that's why probably he's so used to, to physical pain. And that it's just because, you know, his dad probably, because he says it in the movie, he's like, I hated yeah. my father. Okay, but do we need to talk about that now? Because, so the story behind that, uh, from what I researched, and I didn't look too hard at it, they pulled so those things that he says about what happened. His past. They pulled different origin stories for the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a little bit of reality from one version of the Joker in those stories that he tells. Um, so they pulled from different sources for that. But yeah, there there is probably some some truth to uh, him having been abused as a child. So he probably doesn't feel very much pain, or it just doesn't bother him. You know, some people yeah. are, are kind of like that. But I do remember them saying when they were planning this movie out, uh, they said, we're not doing a Joker origin story. He's already going to be Joker when we get... So they didn't feel the need to address anything about his past in this right. movie. Because it doesn't affect the story. No. That's doesn't. not the point of the story, is to know his background. Yeah. Right. If and anything, it, it makes him scarier to not even know where this guy comes from. Exactly. He no longer is a person that you can even relate to a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is a dangerous psychopath who just acts on whim and instinct and he does what he wants and yeah. you know and he he murders just because it's convenient for him at the time mm-hmm. and so again we go back to that you know he's like a force of nature mm-hmm. that has to be you know dealt with i think i remember reading somewhere where uh it describes him in that way similar to the shark in jaws yeah and that's exactly. part of what makes it so scary how do you stop yeah. a force of nature it just comes in Starts wreaking havoc, and what do you do about it? Yeah, no. and that's precisely why Batman says, "I know what I have to be, what I would have to become to stop a man like him," mm-hmm. um, because it's something he had never encountered before, even though he's only been doing it a short period of time at that point. Mm-hmm. But real quick, just circling back to that last point, where uh, I found it interesting uh, that Nolan and I think his brother, and maybe even David Goyer, uh, they didn't pick out the villain first. They didn't know it was going to be Joker. They said really? they, no. They planned a, a Batman story, and then they picked a villain to fit, and they really? did that with all the movies apparently. Oh, so they okay. didn't go in thinking it's Joker, even though they kind of set it up in the previous one. Yeah, they I like, I like that idea. Appropriate for the Batman story they wanted to tell. I mm-hmm. really like that. I just really thought that they were going to pick Joker anyway because of 
the end of Batman Begins. Well, and maybe at that point they had already decided if we make a sequel, it's going to be this Batman story. Who do we pick? Yeah. And then, so I don't know. But I, yeah. I did read that and I found that very interesting. I think that's smarter wow. too, don't you, V? You pick the story you want to tell with the main character and then you find the other pieces to kind of make it work. Well, that makes sense to me. And I don't know what order they did that in. I'm going to mention this in the next in the next segment under the, uh, the script and the screenplay. But I guess it just depends on, on the order in which you determine that. But I guess it makes sense, you know, you, you want to have a story to tell first, mm-hmm. and then you see what elements can fit into it. And I'm pretty sure that once they tried doing that, if they had to make adjustments or changes, then they could, you know, if, if the bulk of what they come up with is really, really good, they can go back and make some edits to the story itself. But I mean, it, it makes sense to me. It, it probably explains why, you know, Dark Knight Rises had to make adjustments because of Heath Ledger passing away, because mm-hmm. they probably thought ahead of time, this is the story, these are the villains included, mm-hmm. this is how it all fits together. This tragedy strikes, they have to adjust. Try to remember that. I want to go. I want to talk about that later when we come to again. You script. do the same. Stop yeah. doing that. <laughs> I'm gonna keep doing. It. There's, there's so much to say. There's so much I want to say, man. I'm just like, I just, I'm filled with like information, discussing. And conversation points and everything. So, um, go ahead and give us your favorite scene. I can't pick a favorite scene. You gotta pick one, man. I am between... I, I'm just trying to think because uh, his interrogation scene is one of my favorites for sure. The opening, the prologue, is also one of my... I can just watch that over and over again. I I just... I really... I love how it looks. shot on IMAX. I love how it looks. And... Oh my god. That's it? That's it. That's your that's your pick. It's the opening. No, but then you have the raid on the Pruitt building, which combined with, you know, that amazing score mm-hmm. and just how like fast paced and tense it is and how quickly can, you know, and then the and then you have these other storylines that are kind of intertwining in the in the midst of all that. What's happening on the ferries and then, mm-hmm. you know, Harvey Dent with Gordon's family. It's just yeah. It's it's action packed, so it's also extremely entertaining. It's super good. I can't pick. I can't pick. I'm so sorry. Just say it's the opening. I can't. It's okay. I can't do it. <laughs> I won't do it. All right. You ready for mine? Do it. This was hard for me too, but I I there's one scene in particular that every time I think about this movie, it's one of the first things that makes me like so happy that this scene happened. Because uh, it is so real to me, and it's the fairy scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that scene is incredible. The actors that are in it, the what's actually happening, the moral dilemma of it. I mean, I put myself in their shoes, and I don't know what I would do. Mm-hmm. That is, that is one of the most cleverly devised uh, terrorist scenes I've ever seen in a movie. If it's not number one. To put people, good people, and criminals in a situation like that was like, who's going to take whose life first? Mm-hmm. You know, and what does that say about you once you do it? Can you live with yourself afterwards? How is the rest of the world going to view you for doing something like that? Mm-hmm. And just the fact that that scene plays so tensely and it's so real, like all those actors are just so good in that scene, you know, and they're they're in their movie for like four total minutes Mm -hmm. and uh they just played it off so well um and you know what else i'm sorry dude i didn't mean to cut you off no problem go for it you know what else is great about that scene is that what can batman do really no he's out of it's it's one of those situations is out of his control exactly that's what's so good is that he expresses to joker 
that nothing's going to happen. He doesn't know that, but he has faith that and I, they'll do the right thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Keeping in line with Rachel's last words I had in the that, letter. Yeah, exactly. Real nice. Good touch. Um, I have that also, Andy, what you just said. I love the ending of how that ends in that the time goes past 12 o'clock when they were supposed to blow up. Mm-hmm. And it shows you that... Joke. Well, it was really because Joker didn't have the detonator on him available because he was fighting Batman, but neither one of them had killed each other. And the criminals then tossing it. The uh, that I one love guy. That so I, much. I feel like I've seen him before. Yeah, He's been in something. But I anyway, so. him, him, you know, saying, like, "Give it to me, and I'll do what you should have did ten minutes ago." Yeah. And he just tosses it out the window, love and it. I'm just like, "Wow, look at that!" Even criminals have standards, mm-hmm. and they're not going to be responsible for mass murder of innocent people. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, well, wow. And so that's a theme in the movie too. It's that Joker is a next level of criminal. Yes. Because it's like... And exactly uh, what he wants to be, too. He's like, I'm going to give him a new class of criminal. Yeah, yeah. because mm-hmm. even the mob is like, you know, I think it's Alfred says they had to go out and... Uh, I can't they, remember what they, the line. They turned to a man they didn't fully understand. Yeah. Exactly. They were so desperate that they went to somebody who even like, oh, that's too far for even us. You yeah. know, the stuff that he does. This craziness. Too yeah. much. Yeah, exactly. The Chechen. Yeah. And Batman ending with what you said, Andy, is like, uh, there aren't going to be any fireworks. What were you trying to prove? That deep down everyone is as ugly as you? And it's like, this city is ready to believe in good. I'm just like, woo! Oh, it's just, it, it's so, it's, it's so empowering. Like, you're just like, I really wish society, if they were caught in this situation, would act the same way. I don't have faith that yeah. <laughs> somebody's blowing up. Someone, right, someone's life. blowing it up. Oh my gosh. I'll, I'm sorry to say, but. Hey, Batman's more of an idealist, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Andy, what's your point of no return? I didn't write one down because I don't think I have one. Mm. I feel like if I'm watching this movie, I'm watching it. Yeah. Like, if it's on, there's... Maybe, maybe when he goes... To, okay, I'll, I'll say one. When he goes and Rachel dies, when he's trying to save... Like, that interrogation scene forward, that's probably it. I'm probably locked in for this movie. Yeah. But honestly, this movie's so good. There's no weak point... There's no there's no bathroom break moment for me in this movie. Like it's all really really good. It's yeah. all very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I turn it on and I want to watch it, I'm gonna watch it no matter what scene it's at. Oh wow. Okay. So really, you don't have a point of no return. Not really. No. It's like any scenes on, you're in. The the whenever the Batman logo appears at the beginning is oh his gosh. point of, of no return. <laughs> I, I thought would that's, say. I thought that's is that yours? No. I actually I mean I agree with what he said. There's no bathroom breaks in this. Yeah. Because it just the pacing is fantastic i I love it i I, it's a movie that forces you to keep up i've seen it exactly it it moves quickly and you have to exactly that's right um there's no there's no moment that really drags for me and i've seen this many many times and still it doesn't drag um but as far as yeah it's it's on tv whatever you know but i see this scene i have to keep watching i think is the uh the car chase yeah where where Demp you know is is, is setting the trap? They're they're trying to rescue him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gordon's return. That's that, mine. And then onward from that, I think I can I can keep watching. Yeah, same here. That's mine. All right, behind the scenes, let's talk about the director, cinematography, script, score, special effects, wardrobe. We got plenty to talk about here, don't we, Mr. Brian Campos? Oh my you God. are usually the one who takes the lead in these because you're a genius, and no, uh, no, on no. top of that, no, you I'm do not. a lot of research, no, and no, you know no, no, you no. love this stuff more than anybody I know. But uh, maybe Andy and I can contribute a little bit to it. You we'll guys see. contribute a ton. Please don't, don't, don't call me a genius okay, so when we're on here. I'll, I'll get mine out of the way then for director because I know you guys can expand much more on on the thought. But 
Uh, I wrote, Christopher Nolan will one day be uttered in the same breath as Spielberg and Scorsese as far as directors go, because his work is pretty much unassailable already, and he's truly among the best directors in the world today. Mm-hmm. He's I got agree. a great track record. I, I mean, he, he's just getting better and better from what we can tell. Yeah. Um, I wrote down, this is Nolan's, or up to this point, it was Nolan's best film. So mm-hmm. you look at all his filmography before this, and then you look at T.D. Kenny, you're like, yeah, uh, Dark Knight's his best so far, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. He's made several movies since, and he probably has topped himself uh, as far as this goes. I don't think you guys would disagree with that, right? Like, he, he has done made better films than The Dark Knight. It's his highest grossing film to date, mm-hmm. okay? So he hasn't surpassed that, and I don't know that he will. My question to you guys is, is this what he's most going to be remembered for? Or no, would you no. say it's another film? No. It's going to be Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer? Okay. I uh, think, I, I, if... If he died today, I hope not, but uh, probably Oppenheimer. But I think he can top it. I think he can top himself. Okay. He's still fairly young. He can he can do better than Oppenheimer, I'm pretty sure. If he doesn't make Oppenheimer, is it TDK? Or would you say it's Interstellar or Inception or Dunkirk? Oh, man. There's yeah, so I, many I, good I still movies. Don't think it's, I, I still don't think it's Dark Knight. Really? Uh-huh. What would you tops, say? What tops Dark Knight? I can't speak as far as the directing work, but as far as what he's known for, I think it would easily be Interstellar or Inception. I think those movies are just as well regarded as Dark Knight. And I, even love... though I don't think I don't love either one of those movies, but oh my god, I can't believe you just said... <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. My eyes twitching, but it's okay. It's oh, fine. Man. I'll, I'll get it under I don't know if we'll ever do an Interstellar pop, but maybe we could do an Inception You, one. Oh, my God. You know, season, season five, we do Inception? We will do Inception. Yeah. One way or another. <laughs> um, Who are we going to have on that for that one? I don't know. Who's a diehard Inception fan? I have no idea, but we should try doing it in our dreams. <laughs> and then we report back on, on air. Um, I think if Oppenheimer's not made, The Dark Knight is is the one is the one he's most and i and the reason why i say that is because nolan had made you know really good films before Mm -hmm. the dark knight but the dark knight i think is what made him into a big name director yeah i think after the dark knight is when he achieved the status of you know going to warner warner brothers and being like i need a blank check and i'm gonna give you like four times the return and they hand it to him and they go for it yeah exactly yeah and it's, yeah. and it's because of that. Because he never has more juice than that. He, than that moment. After he doesn't. That. He doesn't go like over schedule. He's not. He's not late. He doesn't go over budget, and he makes quality stuff. You know, uh, we've we've mentioned Leo a bunch on these pods, but Leo ends up working on him with his next project, Inception. Right? Do you think that it was more the quality of the Dark Knight, or it was the amount of money? that was just insane at the time that Nolan made that made Leo say this is a guy I can definitely work with and trust I think I think Leo sees his work his worth ethic as him as a director and agrees to it and he has to read the script obviously yeah and I think that he reads that and it's a story that hasn't been told before it's I mean it's it's mesmerizing it's maybe a little confusing at first but you know the more you read it the more you appreciate it and I think all that stuff the, the unique aspect of that story and the fact that you have this director who looks like he does his job well and works well with, you know, with the talent, uh, he's in. I think it's quality. 
I think all, all the A-listers get paid no matter what. You know? mm-hmm. They get their money up front. Sometimes they get points on the back end or whatever based on box office total. But this was about quality. Mm-hmm. When you can take a superhero movie and make it uh, acceptable to everybody. To, you know? to and a then mass Heath audience. Ledger gets an Oscar for playing a comic book character. Yes. That is a... a superior director yeah mm-hmm. absolutely b talk to us about the cinematography oh my i'm God. really excited to hear about this wally wally i don't know how to pronounce his last name fister, I, I think it, is it fister i think it's fister so um he is the uh he's the cinematographer director of photography this guy had to train himself on how to use imax cameras before they could ask for imax cameras mm-hmm. for this movie because there was no way they were going to let them have them unless they had somebody qualified for it. And just so you guys know, an IMAX camera you know is going to shoot in that very specific ratio. And they're huge, aren't they? They are huge. They are clunky. They're heavy. They're they're hard to maneuver. Super expensive. I think they were... Super expensive. Am I mistaken when I read that there were only a couple in the world at four. that time? Mm-hmm. Four or five, and that they broke one? Yes. During shooting? I think every movie that Nolan has done with IMAX, he's broken at least a camera. Okay. Oh, my gosh. No, well, not every movie, but he's broken some. Yeah. Anyways, so, um, one thing, between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight was The Prestige. Yeah. Right? Correct. And, um, I remember reading that the color palette of The Prestige had a huge influence in The Dark Knight. I think you can see the difference in the coloring of both movies. You can you have, yes. like, this very hazy look to batman begins yeah. you know a lot of orange a lot of orange yeah exactly and i mean i like the ambiance of that of that gotham yeah but now we're moving on to something a little bit more city metropolis like yes and the uh and you can tell by the color grading the difference there mm-hmm. and a lot of it was taken from the prestige mm-hmm. a lot of those um nighttime twilight type color tones or dusk as well so it's been a while since i've seen the prestige there was that now this was the very oh we should rewatch that movie that, that'd be a good one for me to rewatch. yeah the prestige is is up there i remember i liked nolan it. i saw it and i was just like oh wow it's so good anyways uh so the dark knight was the very first hollywood movie to utilize these uh 70 mil imax cameras uh for 28 minutes of the runtime back then it was inconceivable to use these huge clunky cameras for action sequences and yet they did it and you can see the difference right in the aspect ratio while you're watching it yeah yeah and a lot of times the most memorable scenes are the ones that are shot in imax the -hmm. prologue is one of them yep the uh in in hong kong was one when you see batman jump off that building and you just see the hong kong skyline yeah love how that looks the truck chase they used it at certain points there the exactly the truck chase when he crashes his lamborghini that's mm-hmm. another one. Uh, the raid on the Pruitt building, and at the very end, the very end shot when he's on the on the uh, on the bat pod. On the bat pod, and he's going, yeah, and it's and it's the very very end. So um, you can just just by looking at this movie and just how beautifully shot it is, it's it's something to to appreciate. It really yeah. is. Well, and that's why it was nominated for an Oscar in cinematography. It was. Yes, I didn't remember that. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. That is, it got, I think. Four nominations, or maybe a little bit more. Yeah. I can't remember now. I didn't write that down. So I, I just have—I don't have anything to add as far as cinematography. I just have one shot that I liked. That's not because of styling or anything like that. It's just a, a, a very subtle uh, thing that I, I, again, had never noticed. So Batman goes thinking he's about to save Rachel, and he walks into the room, 
and it's a half a second blip, but you can see the disappointment on his face, like the shock when he sees it's Harvey really? and not Rachel. I didn't catch that. Like, there's a pause. Like, he's walking in. He's, you know, getting ready to run in, burst, kick down mm-hmm. doors, yeah. and he stops. It's almost like, yeah. it's Harvey. It's like, oh, oh no. no. It's almost like he hesitates. He hesitates. Yeah. yeah. And like, I, I had realized never that the Joker tricked me. Yeah. yeah. He wow. hesitates for a second going in because he realizes I'm in the wrong place. Man. Did you happen to notice also when Rachel and Harvey are talking to each other over the phone that one is in complete darkness and the other one is fully lit? Yes. I, I never thought about it, but I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. What do you think that means? Well, it, it plays into the theme of duality in this movie. There's a lot of twos. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. <laughs> Two twos? <laughs> I had I was gonna mention this for the egg drops, but it's unlike you, I'll actually talk about it now. <laughs> All right, go for so it. So there's there's a lot. Okay, you have the the duality of of Bruce Wayne versus Batman, yep. and you see actually you see that quite a bit whenever he is in his makeshift Batcave underneath those what you that underground bunker where he's at, you know. And Alfred is talking about the uh, the bandit in Burma. And as he's talking, you know, you have Batman's suit behind him, almost like observing Bruce Wayne as Bruce Wayne is listening to. So you have, it's almost like you're looking at two different characters, even though you're dealing with the same one. There's that. Two-Face is an obvious one, right? Yeah. Uh, But also how you have Harvey Dent as a character. Um, And this kind of goes into the script and the screenplay. Harvey Dent... We can jump into it right away. Go for it. Harvey Dent is the protagonist of this movie. I don't know if you know that, but that's confirmed. It's confirmed? Yes. It's not Batman. It's not, even though Batman has the most screen time. It's not Bruce. Harvey Dent, no. Harvey Dent is the is the character that has a complete arc in this movie, where he starts one way, and then through his own work and, and motivations, he goes through this change, and then at the very end, he fails. It's a tragic story, mm-hmm. where the hero of the movie, Harvey Dent, fails at the end. But again, that's that plays into the theme of, of duality where you have, you know, the idealist in him, but also what he was corrupted to become. Yeah. And now you also have well, we've talked about the, the warehouses. I don't know, even though you say it's confirmed, I don't know that I agree with that. I still want to think that it's Bruce slash Batman. Well Because of- Bruce has to make a decision at the end that is not what he probably would have wanted in the beginning. I think that when he sets out to save Gotham, he's, he's, he's like, okay, this is the way it's going to be. But I don't think that he could have predicted by the end of this, <laughs> you know, you know, round with the Joker, I'm going to be willing to be, you know, uh, accused of murder and, and all this stuff. And, and I'm going to basically be the bad guy, mm-hmm. you know, for the sake of the greater good. Well, but again, that's it. Harvey Dent is in the middle of it. Because Batman has to become a force of nature. He can't be a hero. He mm-hmm. has to be something more than that to be able to withstand, you know, this injustice and, and uphold Harvey as the hero of the, move, of, the hero of, of, of the story. And then you have the Joker, which is the opposing force of nature. See, there's that duality mm-hmm. again where you have these two forces that are, sorry, that are acting on a central character. And that's Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Because Batman doesn't go through too much change during this movie. Honestly, True. not as much as Harvey. It's not like he starts the movie not believing in the people of Gotham, and by the end, it's like, yes, I have faith in them now. And no, he's always believed in the greater good. That's why he's Batman. He's inspiring good in people, 
And so, if anything, he's just got confirmation by the end of it that he's doing the right thing. Yes, he had the moment where he had to, where he was thinking that he was going to have to give it up because of the Joker, but he realized, like Alfred said, that Batman stands for something more than that. He has to continue to be him. But again, he he doesn't have a character arc, so to speak, where you have a clear beginning and a clear end. Batman continues to be Batman throughout. He endures. He That's has to true. take it. But he doesn't have that character arc like Harvey Dent does. Same with the Joker. Joker is the same character from start to finish. Yep. Interesting. So you have, again, Batman and Joker going back to the theme of duality, the unstoppable force and the immovable object. Yeah. You've got Gotham's White Knight versus the Dark Knight. Just to clarify which one's which. I know which one is which, but in case people, you know, listening to us don't know, he's like, well, Joker makes reference to an unstoppable object. Uh, No, no, I'm sorry. In uh, an immovable object. An unstoppable force and an immovable object. Right. Joker is yeah. the force. Yeah, is the force. And Batman, and Batman because he's incorruptible, exactly. is the immovable object. Exactly. Yeah. He That's refuses right. to, to bend even when Joker is pushing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So he endures. Just he sharing that for the audience. I got that. Yeah, but yeah, I was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Some people were just like, oh, which one's which? You know? That is good. That's good. And also, two fairies. Yeah. Just wanted to make a notice um, or a, a comment here about uh, the script. It was written by Chris Nolan and his brother, Jonathan. So and I was Goyer. just like, how cool is that? Goyer had like a less of a less participation though, didn't he? Thankfully. He, he wrote <laughs> Oh dang. Sorry. Salty. <laughs> he wrote Goyer did almost all of, if not all of uh Batman Begins, right? I think he did. What? Goyer did. No. Uh-uh. Goyer, yeah. It was a, the story was by David Goyer. The story? Yeah. And the screenplay? I think it was him too, wasn't I, it? I thought it was both Nolan brothers that did it. No. Jonathan Nolan didn't get involved until The Dark Knight. Until The Dark Knight. Yeah. And I, the reason I bring that up, I was like, how nice is that? You know, you just get to work with your brother. It's like, Andy, you want to write a movie together? Great. It's going to be amazing. And it's going to, you know, cross a billion dollars worldwide. And yeah, it's awesome. I love that. But anyways, yeah. So that's that's my talk about the theme of of two sides and, uh, and duality in, in The Dark Knight. You, you can see it. I tried to look for more examples throughout. Um, but and probably if I watch it again for the 21st time then I might find some more but those were some that stood out to me this time yeah alright cool so let's talk about the score Hans Our freaking boy, Zimmer Hans Zimmer man I think he got nominated also for an Oscar if I'm not mistaken but he also tag teamed with James Newton Howard you can't discount Howard's contribution yeah let's not discount Howard what I <laughs> what I read was that Zimmer took care of Joker's themes Howard took care of Two-Face's Oh, okay. Harvey Dent. I like that. So you have like that really tense type music for whenever you know the Joker's involved in a scene. And that's Zimmer. And he captures that really well because just with the score, you already start feeling tense. That something's going to happen. How many um, themes does Harvey have? He Har- has. A, there's a track called Harvey Two-Face. You can, you can hear Harvey's more uh, at the very, very end. Okay. Whenever they're doing that showdown and it's like with, that with Gordon's family. Yes, it's yeah. all. It, I love that. It's described like a almost like an opera. Yeah. Because again, it's a tragedy. Yeah. What's happening to him? I love that track. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, just to elaborate, it was nominated for eight Academy Awards. Wow, I did not remember this. Musical score was not one of them. So Ooh. It got. That's a. That's a. Travesty is yeah. what that is. Give me a really freaking good. break. It won two. We'll talk about um, Heath Ledger a little bit later. Best performance by an actor in a supporting role. 
coming it up. It won Best Achievement in Sound Editing, and it was nominated for Cinematography, Film Editing, Art Direction, Makeup, Sound Mixing, and Visual Effects. Mm. Okay. So, it got its flowers, this movie. Yeah, it, was, it did. It deserves more. It did. It did. Yeah, one note about uh, Hans Zimmer. Um, I remember this from a while back. He had a track ready to go for Batman Begins, and uh, he decided to save it. And I think he used it on The Dark Knight. And when asked about it, uh, they said, why didn't you include it in Batman Begins? And he said, because the character, uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman, hadn't earned it yet by the movie. And so he said, I had to save it for later when the character was really worthy of it. And so who knows what track that is? He didn't say which one it was, but I like that thought process. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, let's move on now to special effects. Everything still holds up for me. How about you guys? I, I would agree, and I think a lot of it is because a lot of it is practical effects. Mm. Two-Face is the only real CGI stuff, right? Yeah. And, the, the, and it's really just well the done. eye, right? Is it just the eye or the entire other half of his face? No, there's a lot of it that's... Yeah, the whole mouth. Because I'm, I'm think, I was thinking to myself, like, that all of that, they could have just... Put it on there as makeup, you know, everything on his on that side of the face. I don't know if that's what they did. I'm saying they could have, and the like the only thing that they couldn't do with makeup is the eye because they need it to move uh, at the same time that you know his other real eye moves. And so I'm thinking maybe that was CG, but the rest of it was actual like a physical makeup. Uh, no, because he, he has no skin, so you're seeing muscles that you you know. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure you're right because I did see a, a picture of him with like this gray kind of thing that they put over half of his face and i'm thinking that was just for the cg uh-huh yeah you're probably right there yeah yeah and that's probably one of my least favorite aspects of this movie really yeah I, the more i see it the more i like it Two face specifically the special effects on that yeah i love it i love it the when i first saw it i was just like i don't know if this works and it's like it's it's it doesn't get enough like screen time and everything. That was at the beginning when I watched it, but now having seen it multiple times, I just love Two Face's look. I think the only reason why that works is because he's dead by the end of the movie. Honestly, if he were to stay as a recurring character, there's no way he stays looking like that. Absolutely why? no way. He'll die from shock. Yeah. It's just it's just not conceivable for you to be walking around with half a face like that. <laughs> he would keep it's not. It's not gonna heal. Oh my He's gosh. gonna. It's gonna get infected with it. And not only that. So, that so you're, eye, you're saying a live action Harvey Dent just or Two Face doesn't work. Not like that. Not okay. like that. He could be what? like heavily scarred, but he okay. still needs eyelids. Yeah. That no. eyeball would have shrunken and fallen out like yeah. in an hour. Well, and there's bugs no are landing on it while he's asleep. <laughs> yeah. There's no oh freaking gosh. way. There's he, just he no sneezes way. sneezes too yeah. hard, his eye comes out. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. What's well, holding it in? I there's think he, he intended to die. Yeah, exactly. Because That's exactly he, he what I was saying. He rejected skin grafts, yeah. you know. It's like he, he didn't. He he, he was didn't care. He was at the end. He was yeah. broken. And he that's was broken. and that's what I mean. It's because of that that this is acceptable. Like, okay, fine. He he was going to be dead anyways. But yeah. I mean, that's just, it's just not, it's not sustainable to have a face like that. Yeah. There's just no way. This episode of Group Film is brought to you by Clyburn Whiskey. Do you need a scotch that truly burns as it's going down? Get Clyburn Whiskey today. Wardrobe. How'd you guys feel about the wardrobe? I thought it was great. I even saw a video that kind of indicated that Heath Ledger got to pick what he would wear. He designed his own makeup for the Joker. That, yes. And, and in the clothing part, they had like a whole bunch of different items. And I believe Heath would go in and be like, okay, I want this shirt. I want this vest. I want this coat. Except. That's cool. 
yeah that's so that's so cool, cool. Uh, under wardrobe, I have a question here, and it is, does the mayor wear eyeliner? It looks like it, doesn't it? Mayor okay. Anthony Garcia? Okay, no, no, no. So this is something, uh, the actor's name is Nestor Carbonell, right? Yes. Okay? He was on Lost, I think. Yes. Yeah. That is always, it's just the way he looks. People have always asked him that throughout his entire life, and no, he does not have eyeliner his eyes just look like that. Really? Yes. But that's something that gets brought up to him a lot. I think he's frustrated by it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, if he's listening to this, I, I apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring it up for a thousandth time. No problem. Let's move on to winners and losers. And um, I'm only accepting one answer for best performance. Mm-hmm. There's only one answer. It's not arguable. The, the Chechen, right? <laughs> My dogs are hungry! <laughs> Freak! They won't work for a freak. <laughs> okay, so no, I'll, I'll, it's I'll Heath. Start. Yeah. It's Heath. And now, if you guys want to talk about Heath and Joker and everything, just this is the spot to do it. Okay, so I, I've got a couple notes on Heath. So he took a very well-known character and one that had been done before by a living legend, Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. and took it to a new level. So much so that it seems unfathomable that any actor could exceed his portrayal of a character now. You know, we saw Jared Leto, and Jared Leto is by all means a very good actor. Mm-hmm. I think he got nominated also for Dallas Buyers Club, right? Yes, and, and he won. Remember. He won. He won. Okay. So, again, fantastic actor. Nobody would dare say that that's anywhere near Heath Ledger's Joker. Right. Some of that it's is intentional. out of control. Yeah. Some of that is out of control, too. Um, so, th- there was an interesting note that I found on IMDb. Michael Caine believed that Ledger topped Jack's perfor- portrayal of the character. Um, so, again, like we all you know agree yeah and he was so frightened by ledger's performance that at one point in shooting he forgot his lines yes mm-hmm. so at the fundraiser yes. you know joker shows up and he forgot his lines michael came the first time they did that apparently because mm-hmm. he was so just mesmerized by i don't remember him having any lines the door opens with Wurtz and all the goons behind them and and alfred's there but he doesn't say anything they just walk past him. unless unless michael kane sees joker before he uh, shoots his scene and I, I don't remember because they don't share it, any it, scenes. Maybe it right. wasn't. Maybe it wasn't that scene, or maybe it's a scene that got cut. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I'll say about Heath. So Heath Ledger won 32 Best Actor in a Supporting Role awards, including the Big Five: Oscar, Golden Globe, BAFTA, SAG, and Critics' Choice. Poor guy. There were only two. I think there were only two that he did not win. And I, I saw the, I mean, there were good actors, but I think out of 34 that he was nominated for, for the role of Joker, he won 32 of them. Wow. It's That's it's, I mean, it's yeah. well-deserved. He yeah. did he did such an amazing job. He transforms into, I'm always just so impressed by actors that can transform into a character to the point where you don't even recognize the actor. Yeah. Funnily enough, someone else in this movie who has a record of doing that is Gary Oldman. I knew you were going to break him up. <laughs> <laughs> and now Christian Bale, too. I mean, yeah. in certain roles. Yeah, exactly. He can transform pretty well. I mean, this is an all-star cast, and yet yeah. Heath Ledger just shines through because of the amount of time and dedication that he put into this, and he really yeah. made the character his own. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you read the stories of how he's, you know, in a hotel room, and he's just reciting his lines out loud, and he's doing the Joker laugh by himself weeks before shooting has started. He really dove into the character. So much so that uh, immediately after he passed away, people started wondering if it was the role that had like haunted him or something like that, to where he ended up taking his own life, you know, and intentionally I, on purpose, but or accidentally on purpose. But the, the family since 
came forward and uh, said that's not the case. Yeah, at all. they disproved that. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was. It, as a matter of fact, sadly enough, his sister, I believe, the day before, the night before, or the day of that he died, she told him, "You've got to stop doing that, mixing sleeping medication with whatever what else it was he took." And sure enough, that was the day that it killed him because yeah. he took an overdose. Oh, man. But saw, even even on set, all the, the actors were like, no, this wasn't somebody who was consumed by the role. No. He was having fun with it. So yes. it wasn't Did like you, he went yeah. to a dark place or anything like that. Did you see the interview with Michael J. White, who plays Gamble in the movie? I, I, I think I read the line. I didn't watch yeah. the interview. They talk about it in that, and they were asking the same question. He said, do you think that maybe th- this role you know, led to his eventual you know, death? And they were like, he was like, absolutely not. He's like, no, this guy was having fun on set. You know, we were cracking jokes and everything. He wasn't in a dark place or anything like that. In fact, he had wrapped filming a long time, you know, bo- you know, before he died. And he was, you know, filming the Imaginarium yeah. of Dr. Parnassus or something like that. He was filming something else. Uh-huh. You know, and he had done a movie in between, you know, in between those two. Right. And so it's just like, come on, man. No, he was, he was fine. People just see it was a, an accident. a dark character and a dark outcome and they conflate the two, but it's not. Yeah. It's not the case. Uh, the way he would act on set, I, I did also read something where, you know, he's he's delving into the character. He's finding out, I guess, this version of Joker's voice. And so a lot of times he didn't want to rap shooting for the day and try to replicate it again another day. Mm-hmm. He would ask, you know, Nolan if they could just work late. Mm-hmm. And whenever they did, he would, you know, Nolan didn't know, but he would like quietly thank every person on set for staying late. Wow. Because he asked for it. He's a good dude. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk a little bit about him later but when we get to Egg Drops. Again, you do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stop. All right. Worst performance in the movie? <sighs> Mine's going to be controversial. I'm going to... Mine's not. ...protect my face so Brian doesn't take a swing at me. Oh, my gosh. And he slept. Christian Bale. Um, <laughs> I, I can't. So I'm, 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 can't I'm, I'm being that. a little facetious, but that just goes to show you how, how awesome that cast was. Yeah. Worst performance, worst performance, Andy. Come on, there were people there that had one line. You could have picked any of them. Watched it. The fact that I can even make that argument just goes to show, like Michael Caine, Heath Ledger. I'm starting to get a headache, Brian. Aaron Eckhart. I'm I'm being my head's hurting. Get me a Tylenol. (laughs) I'm being facetious, but I don't think he was the best actor in this movie. He's the fourth, fifth, sixth best actor. I'll tell you who what what the answer is. It's the SWAT guy who's the passenger when Gordon's driving. That he's guy? so annoying. <laughs> he is. First of all, he gets in. He's like, "I hope you got some moves, pal." You know. And then later on, he's like, "That's not good." Oh no, that's not good. And I'm just—he's the worst. He's the weakest link of the film. Did you audition for that role? You uh-huh. seem to know it pretty well. I just—I saw it this time, and I was just like, "Yes, you are definitely the worst part." You of this did film. good. You like yeah. your impression of him is spot on. Oh, Holy well, moly! I anyway. think I would agree with you. That's that's it's a gonna, it's strong contender. No, nobody agrees with me. Him? Do we need to do this as a poll? It's not the, even the no, bail. I'm just kidding. Even I'm the cop that goes, no more dead cops. That's <laughs> not, I'll, 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 I'll put him above this SWAT guy. That's my worst line. Worst line? Yeah. No more dead cops. Right, right behind. My dogs are hungry. I, <laughs> I saw this movie. You know, I had to see this movie. I've seen it twice now in like a month. When mm-hmm. everyone was here, uh, we saw it together. And uh, he laughed at that line. The no more dead cops. It's just so, so like it Harvey, was good. Dent, Harvey Dent's talking about, and everybody was applauding when he said that. They're they're agreeing with yeah. He's trying to calm them down. It's like blue look, lives matter, Brian. My yeah. God, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> it's like you know, trust me. The 
the the night is always darkest just before the dawn, but the dawn is coming. No more dead cops. <laughs> Shut up, please. Can you get him out? I don't think it was immediately after that. There might have been like a little break where no, he's, where he's, he probably thought, you know what? Now's a good time for me to to deliver this line. I've been thinking about it all the day. Dumbest thing. He makes yeah. his point. It's sinking in, and then this guy just like yanks him out of it. Oh, oh my, my god, gosh. it's so annoying. Oh my gosh. Okay, best line of the movie. Andy, you go first. Okay, I have a couple nominees. Uh, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yep, that's really good. That's so on mine. I, I feel like that's got to be mm-hmm. one uh, for everybody. That might be the winner. Um, if you're good at something, never do it for free. I like that. Yep. So clearly we suck at podcasting. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> <that> was, <laughs> Thanks, dang, man. Savage, man. Thank you I, so I, much. I love Davis. They got space because it makes <laughs> oh. sense. Uh, yes, a lot of my life makes sense now. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, and here we go because it's a meme now, oh. Joker. Oh right, gotcha. but I think my favorite, and so I'll put this one as the best one. Uh, when Lucius says, "Let me get this straight: you think that your client, <laughs> one of the wealthiest, most powerful men in the world, is secretly a vigilante who spends his night beating criminals to a pulp with his bare hands, and your plan is to blackmail this person? Good luck." <laughs> That's really good. You got some really good one. ones. Those are good. One. All right, pick a best line, Andy. Before I share some of my favorites. You mean Brian? I just shared mine. Yeah, but pick your best line. It's best line, not that, best lines. That last one. That's that last one? Yeah. Is that's your favorite one? Okay, that's sorry about that. Favorite, yeah. That's good. B? Um, everything Andy said. I also have Joker. You know, whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. That's good. Um, some men just want to watch the world burn. And also from Alfred, he said that's the point of Batman. He can make the choice that no one else can make. The right choice. That's good. I like um, it. You know, he's the hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. And then also towards the end where he says, sometimes people deserve to have their faith rewarded. Mm, that's good too. I like that. And then Gordon, when he says, you know, the the ending sequence, he's not a hero. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight. Is, it, it just, it, it brings the movie full circle for me. But I mean, out of all of those, I think that my favorite has to be you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I actually, for whatever reason, did not have that on my list, but I think it is the winner for me too. But let me share some of these and tell me if I'm wrong, okay? Do you want to know how I got these scars? That's pretty good. And I, I put it on here because he, he says it three times, I think, in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Um, if you lose your faith in me, please keep your faith in people. That's a great one. Uh, this is what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable mm. object. And then later on he says, I think you and I are destined to do this forever. I really like that line, you know, because I always, when I saw the movie, I connected it with like the animated series. Yes. I connected it with the comic books. And there's this uh, longevity to the yeah. battle between uh, Batman and Joker. It's like, yeah. they don't do this for like one time and that's it. Yeah. They do this over and over and over <laughs> again. For years, you know, mm-hmm. where Batman and Joker are fighting. And I like that little line, almost kind of like like in, a, in an alternate universe, you and I do this forever. Not yeah, only, sure enough, it, it does it, It's clearly a nod yeah. to the history of Joker and Batman. But I, yeah. I read something uh, when at, yesterday that I thought was kind of interesting too. And it was, aside from all that, the Joker doesn't know that he's going to live and that they're going to fight again in the future. Um some people, I guess, believe that it is a nod to the fact that Batman will forever replay in his head whether or not he could have done something differently to save Rachel. 
so that that would torment him forever and they were oh he was always going to have that internal struggle of if i had done this if i had been quicker here if i had chosen this would the outcome have been different and so in that way in the on, on an intellectual plane uh they would always be having that battle that's an interesting take. I thought it was an interesting take. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't agree, I don't with, agree it. with it, but right. uh, it's an interesting one. Yeah, kind of like my, uh, you know, Maverick is dead in Top Gun. That you know? was the most ridiculous. Yeah, thing. that wasn't your yeah. take though. My, uh, it, was, was it wasn't my, my take. I can't take credit for it. And it was yeah. awful. Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> my interpretation of that line is that the force of evil is always battling the force for good. Mm. That's a good yeah. one because whether it's Joker or Batman, there will always be good versus evil. I yeah. like that, and that is, and that's what they represent. Yeah, I mean that's, and that's something common in a lot of movies, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with good and evil, it's like it's it's a never-ending thing. Right, but in this case, it's not just characters; it's actual forces of nature. Yeah, I got a few more good lines here before I pick my number one. Madness is like gravity. Yes. All it takes is a little push. I had that written down, but I didn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> I've got here because you are the best of us. The Joker wanted to prove mm-hmm. that someone as good as you could fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my last one here: Why don't we cut you into little pieces and see how loyal a hungry dog really is? You know, that's or good something too. to that effect. Yeah. I don't know. I might have written it wrong. <laughs> no, no, that's but, good. But um, yeah, uh, I think I'm going to go with the one that you said, Andy, uh, about uh, you know you either die a hero. That's or- me. That was, was his. That his favorite is Lucius Fox. Yeah, no. Oh, okay, no, no. But I mean, you said it first. I, I yeah, said yeah, it. Sorry that was about the that. first line I yeah, said. That was the first and line. It might be the the signature line from this movie, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. It encapsulates it. Yeah. Worst line of the movie, guys. Okay. No. Sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Okay, so I, I I don't actually have a worst line, but I, I have two that I wrote down for this. So Harvey tells Alfred, "You've known her her whole life," and Alfred says, "No, not yet, sir." And I only put it because it's a sad bit of foreshadowing. Dang it! You took one of mine. I, that was I, that I was, had uh, it in egg drops. That was my egg drop. Dang it, Andy! Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't know. You can cut it out of the podcast. No, oh, no, no, leave it in. Leave it in. Leave it in. It's fresh later on. Oh it's my okay. gosh, and that's all right. The, the other worst line I have is I believe in Harvey Dent because it didn't age well. <laughs> it did not age well. <laughs> uh, I have, you know, mine. He's like, hope you have some moves, pal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like that I for two that reasons. Line. Two, for two reasons. One, because it's by the guy who delivers the worst performance. And second, <laughs> it's because um, you. it would be even better to get rid of that, and it would make Gordon less obvious as being alive. Because if you look at it now, it's like, why have that shot there? Where he gets in there, and he's looking at the driver who's, got, who's fully masked and everything. And you could start to kind of like formulate an idea oh what if that's gordon or oh what if that's so and so or you know why did we why did we not hear him say anything and it's just like kill that kill it completely and then that way there's even less uh or it's an even bigger surprise later so when when gordon actually can can we talk about that for a second because that that's a a point in the movie that i'd like to talk the first time i thought gordon's dead and i thought that guy is you know, Team Joker. So I thought that was going to be the reveal. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, yeah, this yeah, is one yeah. of... Joker's yeah. got another guy on the inside. I think, And that's yeah. why we don't hear him talk. We don't see his face, blah, blah, blah. But of course, now, once you know who that actually is... Yeah. I wonder, should they have not shown him at all? Like, you just show the... the just just have him driving. The other guy. And the other guy can interact with him, but don't have such a, like, clearly defined shot there where you're seeing a masked man yeah, next to him. where you can't speculate. And the guy's just saying, hope you got some moves, pal. You have like, to. You have to speculate. Because if you don't see a driver as a quote-unquote mystery figure, 
and Gordon appears out of nowhere, that's worse. No, because later, no, 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 later on, it. no, because later on, he's still interacting with him, with the driver, Gordon, but it's not so clear cut. You know what I mean? It's like, an, it, it's for a second. You know, and this one is, is like a three second shot where, you know, he, he jumps in, in the car and gets comfy and everything. He's like, hope you got some moves, pal, as he looks at him. Yeah, but that's I just I that, just don't like that. That serves distinct purpose. I mean, I don't like the guy's delivery either, but the, it serves uh, at least a couple of purposes. Number one, that everyone's nervous about this and it gets you nervous as a as a viewer that something is going to happen. You don't know what, but something. That's so that's, that's one. And number two, you're establishing a mystery man. Like Andy said, like this whole movie Don't is establish full. the mystery man. You have to. It's even better if you don't. Wrong. It, it's better if you do. Because <laughs> now, now you have an answer to the question, who's the mystery man? Because it is a question. The movie is full of double agents and corrupt cops and, you know, these random normal looking people that are actually henchmen of the Jokers. You don't know who this guy is. Yeah. You don't immediately think it's Gordon. And so when you find out it's Gordon, it's a great payoff. Mm. What if it, instead of Gordon, it had been Ramirez? Would that have shocked you more? It was yes. Ramirez. <laughs> that would have shocked me a lot. <laughs> okay, sorry, I got a soft topic. No, no problem. Okay, um, out of all the people involved in this movie, cast and crew, who deserves to be remembered most for this movie? Only one answer. We don't need to say it. Oh, Let's move on. Let, no, 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 no. Seriously, <laughs> I want to... It's probably Ledger, right? It's not probably Ledger. It, it is it Ledger. Is Ledger. Okay, but my question to you guys is, should it be? Yes. Could yeah. you make a case for Nolan? Uh, maybe, but Ledger achieved what he did because of Ledger and not because of Nolan. Mm. The he, only actor... Sorry, I cut you off. Brian. You're good. You're good. The only actor to win an, an Oscar posthumously... I mean, mm-hmm. I think that speaks volumes for just how, how good his performance was. And even had he not passed away, he's remembered most for this movie. Yeah. Because he he took the same source material that everyone else had, but he went above and beyond with it. And I'm not disagreeing with you guys, and I think it is Ledger, but I was just asking, yeah. you know, could you, could, if somebody said Nolan, would you be like, that's blasphemy? We still, we still have to make our case. Yeah. And we even said, you know, this would probably be Nolan's defining work had Oppenheimer not recently come out. But still, um, you know, Nolan, it, it's great because of Nolan, but it's beyond that because of Ledger. That's why I pick him. Gotcha. So I have something I could share now. That's it. I had an egg drops, but save it. We're about to get to egg drops. It, I mean, it applies to what we're talking about now. You might as well drop it. Yeah. Just drop the egg. All right, go for it. Okay, so Heath Ledger auditioned for the role of Bruce Wayne before filming of Batman Begins, but both he and Nolan recognized he was not right for the part. When auditioning the role of the Joker, Nolan couldn't find anyone truly willing to take the role because of the popularity of Jack Nicholson's mm-hmm. Joker. So he didn't like anybody he was auditioning, and he, I think there were some big names that auditioned for it. Nolan met with Ledger again and cast him. When asked why, he said, because he's fearless. Hmm. He wasn't afraid of Jack Nicholson's shadow. Mm-hmm. So he was willing to go for it. And that's why he got hired. And so I think glad. that's also why he should be remembered most. For I'm so movie. glad he did. Gotcha. Who should be forgotten from this movie? Katie Holmes. The SWAT guy. Katie Holmes! <laughs> she got recasted and I'm glad she did. That's still a pet peeve of mine with this movie. I don't like it when they do it. And in this one, I've heard differing stories as far as why. I I have the answer, and we can talk about it when we get to recast it. Okay, sounds good. All right. Uh, Let's move on to egg drops. Yeah! (laughs) 
our longest segment. Usually, I don't have too many eggs to drop, right? It's you guys. Usually. I have a few here. What do you got? Um, do you want me to start? Yeah. Okay. Um, first of all, I don't know if this is... It's kind of like a, a small, tiny little nitpick, uh, more so than an egg drop, but it kind of is uh, an egg drop. Um, in the opening shot that's shot with IMAX, mm-hmm. where uh, they're zooming in on the building, mm-hmm. I always looked at that, and I'm like, the windows are reflective. How come we can never see, you know, the um, aircraft or whatever it is, a crane that's the approaching rig, it? Yeah. And I was like, you never see it. You know, in the reflections, they must have CGI'd it out. No, it was actually a helicopter. And this last viewing, if you look all the way to the far left, as it's about to finish the shot, you can see the chopper. The rotors? The, the rotors oh, of, of the helicopter. That's interesting. On part of the screen, and I think you see like a fragment of the helicopter as huh. it's approaching. And I'm like, ooh, they needed to cut it like a second earlier so that you would never be able to see that. That's cool. But anyway, um, I, I noticed that. <laughs> um, like Andy mentioned earlier, Heath was a, given the video camera so that he could improvise mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Um, little you know recording thing. The home video. That's pretty cool. Yep. In that interview I was talking about with Michael J. White, uh, he said that Heath was really humble, um, and he showed it, be- uh, or he demonstrated it because uh, at one point he went to Michael Heath White, or not Michael J. White, sorry, hmm. and um, who plays Gamble, and he said, "Hey, um, can I go? With you know, can I ask you about something?" And so he started doing a whole bunch of different laps, and uh, he said, "Which one do you like the most?" And so, uh, oh, I, you know, that one that you did right there sounded real menacing. I liked it. It was good. And he's like, oh, okay, all right. I think I might use that one. Hmm. So just the fact that he's going to a guy who's barely in the movie, but is a fellow actor and asking him, what's your opinion on this? Is just, that shows you the kind of guy that he was. And uh, from what everybody else says, he was always so open to, you know, um, helping them out in any way. In that same scene with the mob, where Joker uh, meets with the mob, um, they, he says that they shot only one side of that first. So imagine they're shooting all of Heath's stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They say, then he's like, oh, uh, Michael J. White went towards uh, to Chris Thomas and said, you're not going to do the other side now? And he's like, oh, we'll do that tomorrow or something. And he's like, okay. The next day when they get there, Heath is in full makeup, costumed up and everything. And Michael J. was like, wait, why did, why did he do that? He's like, because he's not going to get filmed at all on this. Mm-hmm. He did it to help everybody else's performance. That's so good. Went through hours of makeup and putting on the clothing and everything just so that his presence there, even though he was not going to be on a single frame, would help the other actors in mm-hmm. their performances. That's the kind of guy he was. Man. Wow. So that was really cool. That is cool. Thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, I no didn't problem. know that. That's awesome. Uh, some foreshadowing. Uh, the What Alfred said, you've... Or, uh, not yet, sir. When yeah, exactly. Says it. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was that was crazy sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bandit story. Some somebody I was listening to a podcast and they said that was the most worthless part of the film. They said, "What was the point of that bandit story? It what? didn't even do anything. It had no payoff." What? It's like Alfred just like uh, it's like Michael Caine just needed a monologue in the movie in order to do it. He wanted his his screen time, and oh, I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. The bandit yeah, story they, is incredibly they, they important. They missed the point of yes, the yeah, they missed the, it. They completely. The and these point. are intelligent people. I think it was on the rewatchables, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, that was bad. Um, but anyway, I really like that mm-hmm. because it, you know you hear it, and Bruce is kind of just like, eh, should I really listen to Alfred here? He like he takes it, but he's you don't really see like he's like, oh okay, gotcha, yeah, yeah. Criminals, you know, are, are sometimes simple. 
No, he doesn't do that. But later on... He's almost skeptical of it, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Later on, when uh, Alfred's consoling him and saying, hey, the city's going to have to make do with you and everything, at the end of it, he says, the bandit in Burma, how did you catch him? And or he said, did you catch him? Did you catch him? He's like, yes. yes. How? He's like, we burned the forest down. <sighs> and that burn the forest down is important because that's exactly what yep. Batman does. He has to. In Gotham. He burns the forest down in a, in a figurative sense with the sonar him. system. Exactly. He's going to invade everybody's privacy and eliminate all the obstacles in the way in order to be able to find the one person he needs to find. Yeah. And, and by the way, burning the forest down is a very unethical thing to do. Yeah. Just like how his sonar was uneth like he had to break a principle. Yeah. yeah. To be able to catch this madman. I love yeah. that man. I just love that he took so what good. Alfred said and that's how he finds the Joker, literally. Yeah. Is yeah. using that sonar thing. I do have a vexing issue on that, but uh, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Stop saying that. <laughs> I really gotta stop saying that. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I got I, I got a few more things here. I usually don't have many egg drops, so bear with me, guys. Okay? That's okay. I just got a few more. That's all I right. Have plenty, so don't okay. worry. Drop um, the eggs, man. Yeah. Drop all the eggs. There's there's been um, you know comments saying that the Riddler is in this movie, and it's Mr. Mr. Reese. I've heard that. Uh, no. It's okay. Not. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I know. I'm not saying that. Oh, it sorry, is. sorry, 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 just, sorry, sorry. Just, continue. This continue. is what people are saying. Right. But do you know why they say that? Why Mr. Ease. Mr. Yeah, Reese. It sounds like Mr. Ease. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the name, the name is intentional, but it's not the Riddler. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought I'd share that. Thanks, guys. That's silly. Yeah. Continue. Thank, <laughs> thanks for just completely soiling me. Poo-pooing. Yeah. Okay. Um, a little bit of foreshadowing in that Ramirez is dirty when the camera closes in on her face after she helps Harvey into the car. Yes. Saw that. Yeah. And everything. Some people would just miss that and just be not see it at all. But I love when they do the stuff like yeah. that. It's always intentional. That if they're bit. zooming in on a character's face and their expression, it's for a reason. It's yeah. not just it's, it's not just, oh, you know what? She looks pretty today. Let's zoom in. No. Okay, uh-huh. so the face, yeah. But they both claim both her and is it Herder, the other guy? Works. 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 Mm-hmm. Um they both say we didn't I didn't know what was gonna happen. Like, clearly her face, she knows what's going to happen, right? I think she's just worried that she's doing something the Joker is asking her to do. So, obviously, she's worried. Like, she doesn't know specifically what's going to happen, but she's worried something is. Well, and it's really the mob who tells her. Because the mob, she says they got she's to with me the early. Mob. So oh, it's, sorry, it's the sorry. Mob. Yes, yeah. the mob. <laughs> I mean, of course, now the Joker is calling the shots by that point in the movie. Because right. he's controlling the mob. Right. Um, but, yeah, the, the mob. Yeah, she has to know. She yeah. knows. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a point where I guess I had just never really focused on this, even though you probably, having seen it so many times, you caught it. You probably <laughs> caught it the right, the first time. Freaking oh genius. Well, don't say um, that. Okay. Uh, when when Bruce crashes into the other vehicle that's trying to kill Coleman Reese, mm-hmm. and uh, he gets out of the vehicle and Gordon's talking to him and everything, I always thought to myself, you know, why doesn't Reese, like, why does he just stop there and not do anything? At that point, he knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He knows it for a fact, and he was going to say it live on television. Um, it's him being there that changes everything, and you and you get confirmation of this. When Reese gets out of the car, he looks at Bruce Wayne, and the camera goes to Bruce, and he, and he doesn't have any, he doesn't say anything, he just looks at him like this. And he and nods, it, And he, right? kind, he kind of nods a little bit. Very subtly, yeah. Very subtly. And it's almost like a, a, a non-verbal agreement. He's exactly. just like, hey man, I just saved your life. Just and Reese is like, I won't say anything. Yeah, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I I always kind of overlooked that part, the the Bruce nod and everything. And you do realize yeah. Gordon indicates that's going to happen 
whenever they're getting him out of the TV studio after that random civilian takes a shot at him. Mm -hmm. And Reese is like, they're trying to kill me. Well, maybe Batman can save you. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Gordon implying that yeah. you're trying to out him. So yeah. he's being sarcastic. But no, yeah. sure enough, Batman saves him. Yeah, he does. And then finally, the last thing in Egg Drops, and this is more like uh, uh, about what the movie might have been wanting to shed a little light on or make a, a reference to, mm -hmm. is uh, somebody made the connection um, between you know the terrorism and how to fight terrorism and you know sometimes the complexity and the solutions that you come up with in order to do it mm -hmm. and to what point are you willing to violate civil liberties mm -hmm. in order to do it mm -hmm. and that's always been a thing but um they were making comparisons to the bush administration that is like the first administration that really had to figure this out because of 9-11 and you know fighting al-qaeda and all that the patriot act and all yeah, that. yeah <laughs> yeah and everything that came from that and how they were you know really debating at that time how many things can we enforce uh to protect people how many things uh can we do that might seem a little invasive but are important in order to stop bad guys mm -hmm. um and i like that i i like that they made that connection like hey it's it's not like you know, there's like, oh, go Republicans or anything like that. But they were saying it is tough. It is tough to be in that seat where you have to make choices like that and say to what extent, how far are we willing to go mm -hmm. in order to protect people? And even, protect and even then, it doesn't paint it as the good choice. Right. Right. They kind of leave it Im ambiguous because there's people who don't agree with it. Exactly. Like Lucius. Yeah. You know? Lucius was like, this is not right. Yeah. Exactly. If this is here, I'm not. Exactly. So you can see different viewpoints on it. And I'm sure a lot of people would be like, heck no. Yeah. You know, and other people would be like, hey, if it's to find the Joker, do it, man. We're sick of this guy. Exactly. So it's, you know, it's a tough spot. But I, I thought that was interesting, that connection. That's good. I don't have as many egg drops, so I'll just say... Yeah, say yours, because I've got a, a lot. Um, and <laughs> and he's got went, an hour's worth. Yeah. Well, as he was talking, I'm like, okay, I can't. I clearly can't say all these, so I've got to pick the ones that are most important. They're okay. all good. Oh my I, God. I can't not share them. Maybe you can share some of them with us later. Yeah, just, no, just oh, pick the ones yeah, I'm going to say. Off the air. Okay. Same okay. Same so, okay. Go, well, aside from what, what you mentioned, the other bit of foreshadowing in dialogue is when Alfred says that there are some men that can't be bought, bullied, or reasoned with. And mm -hmm. so you see this in Joker's interrogation scene. Yep. Right? Can't bribe him. They can't. He can't. He can beat him to a pulp and nothing happens. So he is, he's encapsulating exactly what, what mm -hmm. Alfred described. Yeah. When uh, Commissioner Loeb takes out Scotch whenever Gordon goes to him about the threat on his life, uh, it's Clyburn brand. Clyburn Dude. Scotch brand. Which Dude, is a I wrote that down, Clyburn. Because really? oh, it's fictional? I was yes. going to ask you, does anybody know if it's any good? I want to get a, some now. It is a You're fictional... Like, Commissioner Lopes brand. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think anybody's going to drink it if they think it's poison. Yeah. <laughs> if it's acid. It would have been uh, but burn kind of Burn in the name kind of gives it away. What is uh, it well, it, it is a fictional brand, Clyburn. Uh, it's appeared on How I Met Your Mother. Really? Yep. Rock of Ages and Place Beyond the Pines. Wow. wow. Interesting. The... Uh, um, the Lamborghini he drives, I think you know, is a murciélago, which is a bat in yes. Spanish. And yes. then uh, you mentioned whenever he falls off the Pruitt building is a reference to, to Batman 89 whenever Joker falls off the building, right? Yeah. Um, but also, I think uh, an obvious one is whenever he's telling him, you know, hit me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's going at him, except he's in a motorcycle and not a bat wing. Yeah. So that's another reference there. So other than that... Um, 
he did pay tribute, Nolan, to uh, Batman 89. Even in Batman Begins, he said the, the ending with the Joker card, that was just as a tribute to Batman 89. Was it? Yeah. Which I like. You don't have to be heavy-handed mm-hmm. in your tributes and references. Not everything needs to be, uh, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. You can be a bit subtle with it. And uh, and fans will pick up on it. And even if you've never seen Batman 1989, it doesn't seem out of place. Like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. It still, you know, narratively makes sense. But anyways, that's all I got. Okay. Go for it, Andy. Okay. This was the first comic book movie to reach a billion dollars at the box office. Yes. Yep. The Dark Knight made more money in six days than Batman Begins did in its entire run. Wow. <laughs> Which is a travesty, in my opinion. Batman Begins was really that's good. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They were just hyping up Ledger's performance. I think that's what it was. Well, they knew they knew they were sitting on... Yeah, word of mouth, I think, was crazy on yeah. that movie, too. Yep, exactly. And that was before social media, really. I think Twitter was like, oh, seven, but it wasn't what it is now. Yeah. So now, I mean, it'd be even crazier. It's crazy. Heath Ledger had to continuously lick his lips to keep his prosthetic from mm-hmm. coming off, and mm-hmm. so he made this a tick of the character. Yes, I remember that. Because I had always noticed the licking of the lips, and it drove, yeah. me, drove me crazy. Now I get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it makes perfect sense, too. Yeah. The first four days of shooting were just Nolan showing the cast and crew movies. Uh, there oh, were several yes. movies, but yes, yes. among those that I recognized were Heat, Citizen Kane, yeah. King Kong, and Batman Begins, among others. Yeah. So it's just kind of setting up what kind of movie, what vision he had, I guess, for the for the movie. Mm-hmm. This was a comic book movie with the most Academy Award nominations, eight, until Joker in 2019, which got 11. Um, in a nod to Batman Returns, where Catwoman finds a weakness in Batman's armor and claws him, Lucius, when describing the new armor for the Batsuit, tells Bruce it will be good against cats. <laughs> I like that. I thought that was really clever. I like that. That's nice. So, the Skyhook device used in this movie in Hong Kong is not fictional. It was created in the 1950s and was first used in 1958. Oh, which nice. I think is awesome, because I loved that. That I seems was, so cool. I was going to ask about that. Like, how can somebody with just a seatbelt on can get yanked by a plane and not get cut in half? They developed it in the 50s? or Because even there says uh, 60s in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I know. Which I guess they're alluding to the fact that it is real. But, okay. I mean, yes, it was even the a real whip, thing. Even the whiplash on that. You're, you, I feel like you're dead. I don't know. I'm just telling you what the internet says. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Lau was stomach sick for a while. <laughs> In the original Batman comics, the surname of the plastic surgeon who attempts to fix Two-Face is Eckhart. Two-Face is, of uh-huh. course, played in the movie by Aaron Eckhart. Nice. That's that cool. really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm unsure if this is still true, but at the time... It was apparently the only one of Nolan's movies that has linear storytelling, as in the plot does not take the viewer back and forth in time to tell the story. I don't know if that's still true. Dunkirk? But that's after. Oh, at the time, sorry. At the time. Um, so Memento for sure goes back and forth. Yeah, I don't know about The Prestige. The Prestige goes Batman back and begins, forth. begins, goes back and forth. Yes. So yes, I just found that does. really interesting. Apparently that's a plot device that Nolan really likes, is telling in different he does and he kind of dips into that in the dark night whenever the cops are moving in on the banks and Lau's explaining it oh yeah they, it technically already happened it technically yeah. already happened yeah, yeah. gotcha yeah. it's okay. minor but, but it's minor exactly yeah. this is kind of following up on something Steven said earlier about uh, Heath Ledger being a very humble person so Eric Roberts who plays uh, Sal Maroney said even though Ledger was already well known as a great actor he was still young and full of insecurity so after they filmed the mob meeting scene, Heath went up to the other actors and asked, how was that? Was that okay? And everyone said, are you kidding me? That was amazing. 
Wow. I just love how humble he was. <laughs> cool. yeah. He was 29 at the time. Wow. So, so crazy. Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix each won Oscars for playing different versions of the same character, which is interesting. However, there was another time where two actors won Oscars for playing the exact same character. Can you guys name that movie? You guys know it. It's just probably not top of mind. Hannibal Lecter? No. So I'll tell you. Uh, Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro. They both played Vito Corleone in The Godfather 1 and Godfather Part 2. There you go. So it's interesting. that It's happened twice for playing the same character. One was the exact same. One was different versions of the same character. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. And you can say different versions even for Godfather. I mean, yeah, but it's the same same character. Yeah, I mean, it's just different just points different in points their in their life, and they yeah. and they were slightly different personality wise. Okay, mm-hmm. so I thought this was really interesting. Uh, these these are the last two. The Joker says to Batman that Harvey's being held at two fifty fifty second Street. Mm-hmm. So can you hear that two fifty fifty second Street? Said out loud, this actress contains the phrase fifty fifty, indicating that Harvey has a fifty fifty shot of surviving. Oh wow, that's yeah. clever! I, I thought, thought you were going to say really it was like a palindrome because you got two and two on each end, right? And fifty-fifty yeah. in the middle. No, two fifty, fifty-second street, fifty-fifty. And then the last one. Uh, this was something I had never noticed, but I told you guys I picked up on it. So I love that at the end of Batman Begins, Gordon says, "I never said thank you," and Batman says, "And you'll never have to." At the end of this movie, Gordon says, "Thank you," mm-hmm. and again, Batman says, "You don't have to say thank you," but this time, Gordon says, "Yes, I do." Right. I like that. Yeah, I caught that. I, 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 you don't I have never caught me. that, yeah. but I yeah. thought that's cool. That yeah. was a callback. Mm-hmm. A callback, yeah. So that's it for me. Those are my eggs. All those right, were some, nice. Those were some tasty eggs, guys. I hope you guys liked our eggs. I, I'm sh- who, who wouldn't? I'm gushing over our eggs. <laughs> <laughs> our eggs were deep fried. <laughs> All right, um, cast away. Continue. Cast away. Who almost got casted? Andy, you have some answers for us. Okay, yeah. This I, I always find this part of the podcast honestly really fascinating for most yeah. of the movies we've done so far. So Katie Holmes was offered the part again to come back as Rachel. Yes, she was. She declined. Yes, she chose she to start in Mad Money instead with Queen Latifah Horrible. and, and uh, Diane Keaton, which I just think, like, gosh. Bad choice. This is yeah. why she's forgotten. Yeah. I'm sorry to say. And that was that's just something a- that will forever bug me. I don't like when characters get recast. I get why it happens. It bugs me that Terrence Howard is not Rhodey in the Marvel franchise. I understand why it happened. Uh, I love Don Cheadle. It still bugs me. You know? Yeah. Um, so it forever bugs me. Maggie Gyllenhaal is a great actress. I, I wanted it to be Katie Holmes. And every time I watch this movie, I think I wish it was Katie Holmes instead of Maggie Gyllenhaal. I wish and that's it no was, disrespect to her. I wish it was Maggie Gyllenhaal in Batman Begins. Yeah. Because she is just a more talented actress across the board, I'm sorry to say. No disrespect well, to Miss no, Holmes. And, and, and that's fair. Either way, continuity for me is the key there. Like, yeah. I, I want it to be the same actress for yeah, both. I see. Even if it's a weaker performance, you would have preferred Katie because it was Katie in Batman Begins. Yes, exactly. I gotcha. Um, Matt Damon was offered the role of Harvey Dent. I don't know wow. if you guys knew that. I did not know that. Uh, and I, I can't help but think what that movie looks like with him in it. Like, I think he could really do cool. it. He, I think he could I, do it justice. He, he would do even better. He would do so. even better than Aaron Eckhart. And, I'm sorry. And, and I love Aaron Eckhart. Eckhart. He did great. Yeah. Man. He did great, but there's somebody I like even more for the role of Harvey Dent that I, wrote, I read. Tommy Lee Jones? I'll tell you who. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, Matt Damon had to turn it down due to filming the movie Invictus mm. with Morgan Freeman. Okay. Also, oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The scheduling didn't work. 
Damn. But that's kind of funny because he's always wanted to work with Nolan. He finally got to now with uh, Oppenheimer. And Interstellar. And Interstellar. Interstellar, yeah. yeah, was the first one, but it was a small role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Filippi, uh, Hugh Jackman, Mark Ruffalo, Liev Schreiber, and Josh Lucas were also considered for that role. Wow, Liev Schreiber. Ooh. No, for me, Hugh Jackman. I heard Hugh Jackman, and I'm like, Hugh Jackman. I want to see that movie with Hugh Jackman as Harvey Dent. But holy moly, like he would... Because Hugh, I mean, Hugh Jackman is... Uh, That's a good choice. I, I, for some reason, I love that. I, I heard like that it. in my mind. I have to... I like it. Over and, Matt Damon. Matt and these Damon directors tend actor, to pick but... the guys that they just worked with, right? They just He just worked with Hugh Jackman That's in Prestige. That's true. In Prestige. So he's like, come on in, bro. I don't know. I don't see him. And I love Hugh Jackman, but I don't see him as Two-Face. And I think they wanted someone visually different, maybe. It'd be interesting. Than Wayne. Blonde hair as opposed to dark hair. You know, just like Wayne. Mm. Well, that's, I don't want to yeah, see, yeah. see blonde Hugh Jackman though. Yeah, me neither. But I, for some reason, I Matt Damon could him. do it. I could picture him. Well, he was in Invictus. He was blonde, right? Mm-hmm. And he is blonde. His hair is more brown. <laughs> no, his hair is white now. Oh, it's white. No. Okay, it's off topic now. But yeah, I heard that and I, immediately. So this was interesting too. Willem Dafoe was considered for the Joker. No. Well. He's got the face for it, maybe, but... And there, there are a couple people, like I remember reading, and I didn't write it down for some reason, but Robin Williams, there was a whole bunch of people that were interested in the role of the Joker. Heath Ledger worked out perfectly. Yeah. I mean, I... I you, even if these names are great, you don't want it to be yeah, any no, different. No, I, I wouldn't change it. If we're talking about recasting the movie, I, I, I still wouldn't change it. Even Hugh Jackman, I love Aaron Eckhart. Um... Now ask me in two thousand six or two thousand seven when they're casting for the Dark Knight. Yeah, and he's like, you could have Heath Ledger or you could have any of those other guys. Heath is at the bottom of the list. <laughs> oh yeah, well because the comments online were really the gay cowboy. That was literally what people were saying. This is something I wanted to say and I forgot Man, to say during the Joker crazy. part. It's that I don't know if you remember this, but at the time when Heath was cast, everyone was just like baseball yeah like this is gonna be a mess. It's ruined. Yeah. They ruined. Yeah, Batman. they ruined it. He's yeah. not gonna be able to do it. He's yeah. not gonna do it. Yep. And what a surprise. I actually remember the hate that he got. I remember that. I don't remember if he was actually being considered or if somebody just threw his name out there as a potential option, but Vincent Cassell. And I was just like, the only reason I like that is because he kind of has that hair, like that Joker, you know, wispy hair and everything. And he's got the long face. And I'm like, that could work, like, as far as making a connection to the comics and everything. But acting wise, I didn't think that he's a a spectacular actor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I forgot. Vincent Cassell was one of the names that I read. And he does have the comic book face for Joker. Um, This was an interesting one, too. And this is also if I could redo the movie. James Gandolfini auditioned for the role of Sal Moroni. He did? Yeah. I love that too. Because he's just a gangster. Um, he's a gangster. Why in the world did he not get the role? I, I don't know the answer to that. He's Eric Roberts times a billion and a half. It, it could have been his choice not to, to, to move forward with it. Or maybe Nolan thought Eric Roberts was better. But oh or, or scheduling gosh. scheduling conflicts yeah. maybe. Well, it it could be really cool, right? That would have been so cool, man. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Okay, that's all I have as far as who was almost cast. Okay, awesome. Thank you. That really interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, it makes you think. 
recast this movie in a modern remake, we can probably go quicker through this because I think you'll agree with me. I, you honestly, don't really want to. No, it's, it's too soon. It's, it's too soon. Yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. old enough to be need to be recast. I do love Hugh Jackman as Harvey Dent, and I would have loved James Gandolfini as Sal Moroni. Yeah, Those I like Matt Damon too as Harvey Dent. I think that works too. But um, here's something that I, I wrote down. I said it'd be cool, or at least interesting, to see Zack Snyder's Batman cast in the Dark Knight's plot. Basically, it's the the same story, but you're taking Zack Snyder, yeah, you're taking Ben Affleck, you're taking Jeremy Irons, and you're taking that version of Batman and putting him into this kind of situation. And I'm just thinking, you know, we saw him as a very, you know, cynical and a guy who's kind of given up and BVS and everything, right? And then what if you put him in a in a movie like this now where he's being told keep faith in people where he has no faith in people in Mm -hmm. Batman versus Superman so it'd be Mm -hmm. like it it forces Batman to change his perspective kind of like what the Robert Pattinson's character did in the Batman where he believes one thing in the beginning and changes his perspective on things by the end by the the end of it (laughs) I thought taking those characters um and would be interesting I like Jeremy Irons as Alfred in uh, the Snyder. Batman yeah, movies. I did too. I thought he was really good, and I think I asked you guys this question via text a couple of months ago. Is you know Ben Affleck was in yeah. Nolan? If he was, and Nolan's I told Batman, you, you know, is it's the movie any worse? I, I, like, I all I said so. to you is like, I don't think it's worse, but I don't want it. I, I, I think mm. it's. I don't think it's worse for sure. Is it better? I, I can't say that definitively, but it's not worse. Like yeah. Ben Affleck did a good job with Batman, in my opinion. Yeah. The movies weren't great, but I, I think yeah. it's not his fault. It exactly. Would, for me, it would give Bruce slash Batman an arc if he was in the Dark Knight's plot, you know? Yeah, but the, the question that I said whenever he brought that up was, is it just Bruce, I'm sorry, is it just Ben Affleck and like his bat suit, but still with the morality of this Batman in the Dark Knight? Or are we bringing, you know, I, his cynicism and his... I liked, I liked bringing in Snyder's Batman. Like, in its totality. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that doesn't really work with the theme of this movie. Because you have one murderous psychopath and then another murderous psychopath. That changes by the end of the movie. Well, you would hope. Yeah. Anyways, but again... They it, could tweak that. It doesn't, it doesn't fit the theme of the movie. Okay. Instead of yeah. having these two opposing forces of nature, you've, you've got two of the same, almost. Yeah. And, like, what on earth is going to make him change his mind at this point? Mm-hmm. Now, if it's Ben Affleck in this role, as, as it's written, I think he could do it. Because okay, he, did so, a great, he did a great job. Yeah, I, I like that you said that. But I, I also like that Ben Affleck's version of Batman is one where he became what he needed to become because Joker existed. Um, where he, you know, he, he realizes you know what this version of batman didn't have to do uh and i, I like that version of batman a lot mm-hmm. i really did like batfleck cool all right have someone say a line from this movie as a different actor slash character y'all better have something man this is just it, you. It, it, I, I don't it's do, always me it's I always do, you i don't do voices yeah I, I suck at voices i prepped something just in case you guys didn't have anything <laughs> but on, in season two i fully expect you guys to participate I need, I need to hire a dialect coach. <laughs> oh my god! What do you got? What do you got? All right. So I've got uh, you know the scene where Gordon Dent and Batman meet and say they need to go get Lau. Yeah. I have. Uh, <laughs> what if Batman in that case wasn't Batman but Blank Man? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've got. I just pictured it like this. <clears throat> if I get him to you, can you get him to talk? <laughs> eh. Eh. 
God. And then Gordon says to what's his face, he does that. <laughs> that was really good. I don't know how many of the listeners have ever seen Blank Man because that's oh a very gosh. obscure yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it's obscure. really good though. I recommend people watch it. Oh, oh my gosh! To those people disagreeing right now, you can shut up. <laughs> we know who you are. <laughs> All right, let's get on to hit it takes, guys. Um, this is uh, we really enjoy this. So let's talk about Jake's most hated tech of the movie. It's it's the sonar tech. That's what I had too. There's no other answer to said, this. Is there? Oh, I have a different yeah. answer. You have a different What's one. Yours? What's yours? Yeah, uh, the detonator that fails to blow up the hospital, where he has uh, to keep clicking. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's what we said for oceans. Was the detonator? <laughs> the detonator, detonator yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. On this one, it's like the sonar machine because it's spying on everybody. It's literally his worst nightmare. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Chili would absolutely hate that. Yeah. He'd move they're, out of Gotham. freaking spying on us, B. Once he finds out, he's moving out of Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. He's going off the grid. Completely. <laughs> Editor's item of the movie that was too expensive to buy at retail. You guys I'm said interested you had an you. obvious answer here, and I, I came up with one, but I don't know if it's yours. I got one. What, do you want to go first, B? I said any kind of fundraising for Harvey Dent's campaign. <laughs> I think he's at the party. He's, you know, enjoying the shrimps and stuff, but yeah. uh, he's not writing a check just no. yet. He, I don't even know this guy. Yeah, okay? I like that. I need to see his policies. <laughs> uh, what kind of fiscal plan does he have for this year? Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not paying him just yet. I, uh, I kind of envisioned Edgar being, like, part of the mob, and it's like, yeah, we got to use the Joker now, but he'd go to the Joker and be like, let's talk about this half situation. <laughs> Okay, it's like uh, you know, yeah. I, I need to see some That's results good. first. Like That's at good. least bring me Batman's ear or something, yeah, you know, to show me that you can actually get to the guy. Also, we and should then put, we'll talk numbers. We should put something in writing too. You know, yeah. we're, we're just on a verbal agreement here. Yeah. I, okay, I so that. I ended up writing the same thing. I put Joker's asking price. It's like, there's no way he yeah. agrees to have. I was like, no, no, that's too much. <laughs> too much. Because that is a lot of money. So you see that stack of money that the Joker burns? I'm yeah. Like, oh, crap. That's like half a billion dollars, right? That's got to be like 500 million. And it's like, yeah. no, this is just my half that I'm burning. And I'm like, wow. Wow. So the mob had a ton of money. Yeah, they say it even in the Laos uh, scene. He says a tiny bit of money that, you know, or whatever. It's like a small, a relatively small amount. And they, it was like, what, 60, 60, 60 million? 68 million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they were filthy rich in yeah. Gotham. So it was yeah. a billion dollars that they had in those banks, then, I guess. And you can, then, you know, it helps Batman Begins because now you see no wonder they could pay off anybody. Yeah, they yeah. just had this they, limitless supply of money. You can buy anybody. You can mm-hmm. buy them. Yeah. All right, Andy's favorite vacation spot from the movie. I think there's only one answer here. I'm curious if I got the same one that you wrote down, Andy. Go for it. I have, I have Bruce's yacht in the Pyongyang oh, district. Oh, <laughs> okay. I put Bruce's penthouse. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I I put this, but I uh, put one little uh, rule here. He'd ask if it could be somewhere else other than Asia. Oh, (laughs) I thought you were going to say that, that the Russian ballerinas are all there, too. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I did put Bruce Wayne's yacht. Oh, nice. The penthouse is a good answer, except that I have to live in Gotham, and that's a no-no for me. Oh, okay, yes. I get robbed immediately. Well, it is the safest place in Gotham. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Batman's in it. Is Batman my roommate? (laughs) Which I wouldn't want that either. He shows up it's late at safe night. Room. It's got a safe room, Andy. Yeah, no. no. Yeah, he's not the best roommate. Steven's I'm losing it moment. Gordon is revealed to be alive. That's, that's what it. I, that's exactly what that's I wrote. That's it. Down. It's it's the obvious one. I we wrote, got you, you son of a bee. Yep. You know? All right. Well, I wrote down son of a bench. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly what I got. Awesome. Caden's most likely moment to scream something out in the theater. I did not think of anything. 
It's, I didn't have anything funny, really, but I can see him, like, when he, the first video recording that he does, where he's like, starting tonight, people will die, and everything. He'd be like, oh my god, psychopath, you know? Just to yell it out. Yeah, because I remember sitting next to Jacob, either the first viewing or in another viewing. And when that seemed, I think it was the first time we saw it, I sat next to Jacob, yeah. and he, he just looked at me and said, oh my god. Like, he was freaked out by how crazy this guy was. I, I not laugh out loud, but I feel he remarks something when uh, fake Batman hits the, the window of the mayor's office. Oh. Already dead. And he would be like, ah, oh, Jesus! <laughs> See, and now I'm disappointed in myself. I should have come up with something dirty. Because now I feel like I've come up with something dirty for him to say in every movie I've been on, and I failed. You <laughs> failed on this one, Andy. You failed. <laughs> Well, you, anyway, then you need to feel it. You think season premiere of season two. You'll, you'll, you'll have one. You're going to come, come back to him. Okay. Yeah. okay, we'll hold you to it. Uh, Brian's vexing issue. Let's try to not go too long on these, but I do have a few. Uh, you want me to start, or you guys want to go start? I mean, I can just get mine out of the way. Let's do it. Uh, it starts with, how is it that no one's noticing a random bus coming out of a bank and joining just a line of them? That's what I have. It has a bunch of debris coming off of it. Well, you would, you would think that the one right behind them would call somebody. Well, like, hey, uh, I just saw this bus drive out of a bank. My issue isn't necessarily with that because um, the cops don't arrive on the street before Joker's already part of the bus lineup. So I'm okay with that. My issue is... How in the world did the Joker time that? Yeah, that's There's another, no way. That's another that's thing. That's impossible that you were going to time it because you would literally need the other bus to have left you a gap right there. That's so maybe like the that's perfect. Yeah, and I mean the timing and of the bank robbery, everything would have to go perfectly mm-hmm. for that to work, and it's just unless, it's crazy. Unless all of those bus drivers are paid off. Maybe. Who but knows? That's, that, anyways, that whole scene is... is wrong as far as the timing the police response is too slow because there are guys who are up on the building cutting the uh, alarm and then they're down on the late main floor of the lobby like a minute later and police response time in gotham is going to be two two oh, and a half minutes three minutes total but they said whenever that the alarm is going out it's going out to a private number i was going to ask you what is the private number it's the, the mob. mob the mob the mob okay. yeah that's and i think and i think that's why i think that's why that's that, why the police response is exactly so mm-hmm. okay well that makes yeah that makes sense uh i okay. did write down you know wouldn't skyhook literally rip someone in half pretty sure it would or at least break their neck <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, anybody who wants to come at me about this Batman not killing anybody, I'm sorry, but the guy driving the garbage truck, he's dead. Yeah. Right, do you see what the tumbler does to that thing? Yeah. To that entire cabin? There's yeah. no way anyone's walking out of that. <laughs> he's smushed. Yeah, I think I think he is just, this version of Batman doesn't kill intentionally. If he can prevent it, he will, but it's not like... Oh, I killed somebody. I'm going to feel bad or just stop being Batman. He wrecked that dude. He, he, yeah, and he does other things too that could easily have killed people. When he fires those like missiles in the garage parking lot at the beginning of the movie, yeah. he could. He almost got a guy's leg. You know, yeah. like that's really dangerous. He's playing okay. it really close. Yeah. We, we've got to move on because otherwise I'm going to bring up Captain America and Civil, okay. Captain oh America Civil War, Sokovia Accords, no. all that. No, no, no. Let's, no. Let's, I'm no. getting flashbacks here. No, 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 no. Okay. No. Um, I'm just saying that he he off that guy in the truck. He's meat pudding by that point. All right. And then Harvey's face was a big one for me. Okay. Uh, I looked this up. Thirty <laughs> minutes of not blinking makes your cornea dry out to the point of cracking. 
Oh. It pretty much doesn't work. Okay. So there is no way that he's, you know... What if he's just constantly putting eye drops in? Okay. I, I guess that would be the only way if he's literally just constantly... But Maybe. the amount of time that he goes with his face looking like that, there's no way that that eye works or much less is moving around along with his other one. It would have shriveled up and just... And also, uh, the other one I have here is uh, towards the end... Harvey putting himself second in the order of who gets killed when he's flipping the coin, right? Mm-hmm. So he shoots Batman first. He What if it landed on Tails on him? What is he going to do? Kill just, himself. Just kill himself? Yeah, and then they go free. His whole point was trying to punish Gordon. Yeah, yeah, but they're both kind of uh, him and Joker. They're At kind that point, of they're just... Broke. Yeah, because Joker does the same thing where he has Harvey hold the gun up to him in the hospital and Joker could have died in that moment, but it's like, eh. Whatever. Whatever. And maybe he wasn't going to show Gordon what it landed on. Even if it landed on death, you know, I think he would have just moved on and continued his plan. Well, that's that's cheap. Yeah. And the thing about Joker is that even if Joker would have gotten killed by Harvey, uh, he wins. That's his whole point, is corrupting him. So that's true. Yeah. He would have done it. Um, and then at the very, very end, when, when Gordon says, you know, five dead, two of them cops, one of them is Wurtz. But who's the other one? That was a question back in the day. And they asked Christopher Nolan about it, and I don't remember what he answered. Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. You're framing we'll, it like you we'll, want we'll, the answer. We'll have to look it up. Because it's I'm not Ramirez. He specifically says, you live to fight another day, yes. officer. And he punched his. And then punch. just, just knocks her out. But uh, that, I, I think I've asked this question before. I just haven't really looked up the answer. Yeah. We'll have to find out. That's it for me. Okay. Uh, let me go through mine. I don't, I don't have uh, much more. Uh, the R&D uh, project, the sonar. You get the idea that Bruce is going to use this device after uh, Alfred tells him we burn the forest down. But he put it into motion before that scene. And so I'm a little iffy there. On You, you shouldn't have said that because now it doesn't make sense. Mm. You know, the, the idea of cre- using the sonar and everything to basically burn Gotham down and be able to find Joker, uh, that needed to be mentioned afterwards. You know, so that it makes sense, and the fact that he was playing it close to the chest because he knew that Lucius would not agree to a plan like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is he had the entire R and D department devote work to this without Lucius's knowledge. Um, wouldn't any of them have issues with this? I would imagine. Like, so. I would imagine. It's like they set up all that stuff, or did Bruce do it in his off time? But the implication is the R&D department has been working on this and did set all this up. Well, uh, so the idea comes from when Lucius gives him the phone in Hong Kong to do it. So the tech is probably already there. So Bruce is probably smart enough to put it all together. Maybe. And and the cover for it it is that it's a government telecommunications project. That's true. So if they're under the impression that this is spying for the government, then they're going to keep it under wraps. Maybe. But not for Batman. Yeah. I love that. Perfect. You guys answered my vexing issue. It's no longer a vexing issue. All right. Last one is, this is not even a vexing issue, but something that might have been interesting. The fairies. Could it have been that the detonators were to their actual respective fairies? 
like if you were to turn it, it would blow up your own boat instead of the other ones. Just because the Joker's demented like that. Yeah. And then at that point, you know, you just have a whole boat of the other people saying, no, no, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Which is exactly, Probably. which would look like a lie easily, to everybody. Easily see that. Yeah. yeah. Just like he mixed up Rachel and Harvey's exactly. addresses. Exactly. Yeah. It probably was Because he thinks it's funny. Yeah. yeah. You know, to do that kind of stuff. And then at the end, when uh, they don't blow each other up, he's going to blow them both up. So yeah. they had no reason to believe that even if they had blown up the other ship, that he would have held up his end of the bargain. Yeah, he could have just, he just he killed them anyway. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Uh, Juana's chef kiss male character of the movie. I didn't do my vexing issues. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, bro. Okay, I'll go quick. So the hostages in the bank robbery at the beginning are made to hold live grenades, but their hands aren't taped or anything. So what's to keep them from just throwing grenades at the robbers? I think they pull the pins on them, right? So they have to hold them. As yeah, but so you toss it and it explodes. That's as what you would do with a grenade anyway. Well, but I think those specific type types what the implication is is that as soon as you let go it goes off there's no chance of throwing it fast enough to where you're not dead to okay Mm. well that's the only explanation that would work um so how does rossi the witness testifying against maroney get a weapon into the courtroom so they say it's a carbon fiber whatever by next time by america blah 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 i googled it apparently carbon fiber can be detected by metal detectors maybe it couldn't back then so maybe that's the explanation but either way if he's uh if he's Dent's star witness, he would have been in protective custody for days or weeks before then to keep him safe from the mob. So how on earth did he get a gun? Ultimately irrelevant. I just thought it was hmm. vexing. Mm-hmm. Um, Prison wallet. Bruce, we see... <laughs> oh my god. We see <laughs> Sorry. Bruce take off his shirt at one point. We see his back is all jacked up. You yeah. Know, because wow. that's just how it is. Know your Yet, limits. He's shirtless on the yacht warship because it didn't look very yacht-like when he absconds with the Russian ballet. So his body is constantly covered in custom bruises. How does he explain that to these women? Polo. <laughs> like, <I explain laughs> like he, it's just such a beating that nothing he could say would be believable. He's got a shirt on, though. No, he has it off on the yacht. He does? No, he's got a shirt on and he takes it off when he goes to jump in the water. Yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, clearly, he's, had, he's not wearing, like... Uh, an undershirt and then a shirt to hide the bruises. Clearly, he just kind of lives with it. Like, hey, my body is all cut up or whatever. Or he uses concealer. Yeah, maybe. And then the last one, this is my biggest one. So Joker throws Rachel out of the window during the fundraiser. Batman saves her. The story just moves on. The Joker is still up in the penthouse with all his henchmen. He has Alfred. He has Dent is still in the building. But why? Nobody has called the police at that point. The story just moves on. Does Batman go up? And it's like, oh, he's gone. Cool. He probably mm-hmm. left. We're supposed to believe that he just leaves, but why? Yeah. He doesn't know that Harvey Dent isn't there at a fundraiser being held for Harvey Dent. I don't think he wants to keep fighting or stick around. And Harvey clearly is going to wake up. And because he's kind of fearless, he's not going to stay in the locked room where Bruce put him. Mm-hmm. So I just think like that's that was missing a scene. Something to tell you Joker leaves. Because I felt that was unresolved. I think it's... Joker's trying to... He's trying to move the plot forward, so to speak, because that's in during the montage where the judge gets killed and Commissioner Loeb gets killed. Yeah. And they're yeah. trying to kill Harvey Dent. Yeah. And they weren't counting on Batman. Batman being there. They don't know the connection to Bruce Wayne. They don't know... They didn't even know that Rachel was technically in any way related to Batman because, you know, he... he 
yeah, calls that, her, you know, Harvey Squeeze. Yeah, that's when he figures out that he can get to Batman through Rachel. So at that point, I think it's like, all right, there's uh, Harvey's not there, and they don't want to waste their time or risk Batman coming back up. Yeah. yeah. So if there's nothing to leverage him with anymore, then just get out. And they can get Harvey later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Juana Chef's kiss male character of the movie. I've got Alfred. I put Gordon and Wurtz. I put Sal Maroni. <laughs> Sal Maroni. <laughs> oh man, that that's like a joke. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's Rossi at this point. You want hostile? I'll give you hostile. <laughs> oh my god. The Chechen. Oh, free. <laughs> You know who was really well dressed? Uh, Gamble. Gamble was. This is yeah, well dressed. I know, good. but but he's yeah. he's he's a handsome dude. Yeah, he's got he's a, buff. Are we doing Miji's yeah. style trial? Is yeah, that what we're doing? yeah at the end. Awesome. No, we're doing Juana right now. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. I'm gonna pick. I'm changing my answer to Gamble. 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 Yeah. Handsome dude. Also well dressed. Okay. That's the that's the and actual muscular. serious answer. Yes. Okay. Iris's I hate kids moment. I have Gordon's son, but he didn't do anything wrong. And she'd be like, "Oh, like that. you know anything, little kid?" I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Him, yeah. He's probably yeah. the answer. I put the uh, I put the two kids in the car, pretending to shoot at nothing. They're just like, like randomly yeah. making gun noises, yeah. Yeah. and then they see a car blow up, and they're apparently thrown. You didn't by do that it. when you were a kid. Uh, I did. No, not so much. Just random stuff. Yeah. Mm, just no. pret- yeah. You just point your fingers and you just <laughs> pretend you're like blowing stuff up. I did that. For real? No, I'm not doubting yeah. I'm not doubting it. All right, let's. Why, why are you making fun of me, man? <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> Nieces, that's not funny, honey. Moment of the movie. I my my only venture at a guess for this was the crazy dude with the cell phone explodes in his stomach. Oh, that's that's pretty good though. Because is it the is fact it, that they don't want to give him medical help and everything? Yeah, well, I feel like Caden might laugh a little bit at that, and she would. <laughs> chastise him for that I, I think you're probably right on that one i couldn't think of a good one but that's good i have uh go ahead dude. i have two for you those two? whenever the couple is caught messing around in his penthouse and, and you know and he goes to say like oh good you have a panic room dang and that's it's like good. oh you gotta be kidding me i just did not even think about these she would probably because that's played for laughs and she'd be like that's not funny that's someone yeah. else's house <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that and then the other one is whenever um he's in the pruitt building and he shakes the dog off him and like throws it oh. off the ledge <laughs> oh my god oh yeah <laughs> which some people might think is that's, funny that's and... probably the winner right no. there yes he would not. be very upset at all the dogs that yeah. died in this movie if someone laughs at those <laughs> yeah. dogs getting beat up up, she's yeah. gonna get mad yeah mine's mine's not even good so i won't even say it <laughs> uh that wins the dog wins uh Sally's i guessed it moment gordon is alive rachel yep. dies gordon is alive and he's the driver that's what i have okay no i i put i put she guesses that rachel dies mm-hmm. just because that that's a good answer too. it's a good answer it's a good okay answer. all right uh miji's best dressed character of the movie harvey dent i put harvey's burnt up suit I have a very different one. I have the Moscow Ballet Girl, the one that Bruce goes to dinner with. Very good pick. That's a good pick. That one because she's nicely dressed there, and then later on she's in like a bikini. So, you know, right? She she would consider the the bikini girls to be best dressed. She might, well, not best. Oh, it is best dressed, isn't it? I was just gonna I say I was a style trial. I, mean, so she, I think she, it's acceptable. She could just be like, "Wow, that's a really good bikini." You know what I mean? It's like she might, you know, how some girls can just pick it, pick it out and be like, "I know what brand that is," and all that. I think we can move on. It's yeah. okay. 
You don't have to justify it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We have arrived at the end of oh, man. the 10th episode with last takes or last looks. Like we said, we'll figure it out next season. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, briefly discuss the sequels or present a sequel idea if we can't, none were ever produced. We cannot briefly discuss The Dark Knight Rises. No. I'm sorry to say. That's its own pod. I can briefly I don't know. discuss it. No, I don't, I don't no, know. Because you're going to say yeah. something. It's going to set me off. Yes. I'm going to start. No. And then I'm going to be gonna on Andy's side. Absolutely. No. It will not yeah. be controversial. No, the Dark Knight Rises was excellent and underrated. Okay. Oh but my don't god. E- don't even say anything. No. Don't even say anything. You Please. know what? Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> we can't. We're going to have another that. Civil War like No. We'll, no. We'll, break, we'll have five people here. We're going to discuss What's it. controversial and, about what I just said? And you're going to be you're going to be the Andy of that <laughs> you're one. You're the only you're one. You're trolling. Who's going to be against it? Look, I it's not that no, I No, 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 no. We don't want to hear your take on this. We'll hear it when we get to that. Okay, okay, okay. Dark Knight Rises. I'll calm down. Future Pod, raise I'll your hands down. all in favor uh, in a Future Pod. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. Season in, 3, 4, somewhere around there. All in favor say aye. Okay. All right, cool. All right, let's uh oh my God. give our final scores for the movie. My blood pressure. Final Spike. scores for the movie. A+. Plus. A plus for me too. This is an A plus movie. And yeah. I guess well, I always go for the number score. I am going to put this at a 96. 96? I'm giving it a 97. Did I say 98 earlier? Did I say 98? You did say 98. Okay, I'm going 98. I have to give a number score? Well, no, you don't have to. You can stick with A+. But, I mean, it's... For for every... Like, honestly, through and through, every... uh, department in the filmmaking process and the actors it's an all-star cast and the score everything about this movie i love and everything. it is so far infinitely rewatchable yes which is a big metric for me too so um yeah i stand i stand i stand by that score um 100 if anybody out there listening to this has not seen it go Please watch go it now it. Go see it right now. It deserves your time. It's if it ever it. if it ever returns to the theater, watch it in the theater. Yeah. On the biggest screen and the loudest sound because it's it, worth it. It is yeah, it's worth the ride. One hundred percent. Agree with that. Amen. All right, uh, guys, we have reached the end of our tenth episode. This is the season finale for season one of Group mm-hmm. Film. We want to thank everybody who's been along for the ride since the very first episode in December of 2022. Wow. It's been nine months now, but we finally finished our first season. We look forward to doing uh, dozens more of these episodes and uh, find some new films that uh, are both beloved and uh, maybe you're not so aware of them. And uh, either way, it's going to be fun. And we hope that you continue to follow us. Uh, hope you, that you enjoyed this pod. Right now, we're about to go have dinner and have this uh, season one finale party dinner thing. Uh, our rap, our rap our, party. Our rap party, as they say. Um, <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. We've got to be at the restaurant in less than 40 minutes, so we've got to get out of here. So thank you, everybody. Uh, we appreciate you. Keep supporting us, please. And uh, we hope to bring you really good content in the future with some new guests, some recurring guests, new movies. It'll be a blast. Thank you guys for joining the group. We really do appreciate it. Peace. (laughs) And cut.